Welcome to the Chick Foley Show. What is up, Foley fam? We are back with episode 121 of the Chick Foley Show. It's been another great week of wrestling. We had Fastlane this past weekend. We've got a couple Hall of Fame inductions to discuss. But first, let's introduce the stars of the show. Sheena, how you doing? I'm good. Sipping on some ice cold beer. Just wrapped up the Wednesday Night Wars and uh, ready to talk some wrestling with you fine folks. Hell yeah. And Marco, how's life up in Massachusetts? Same old, same old. Uh, just looking forward to uh, getting into this uh, this fast lane recap review. Are you really? I, are you really looking forward to getting into the fast lane recap, or is that? Yeah, are you, oh no, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I want to get into it because we got to. We have some things to talk about. Oh, there's definitely some things to talk a, about. It ended up being a pretty interesting show. It was looking a little bleak there for a minute, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it recovered. Um, before we get into all that, Sheena, remind the listeners where they can find you guys on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Chick Foley. Um, and then you can find Marco always running the Twitter machine for me over at Chick Foley Show. Most importantly, you can join our Foley fam at chickfoleyshow.com. We just posted our uh, the f- f- finals of our March Madness Best Breakfast Cereal Tournament, um, our Bootios Invitational Part 2. Um, it's pretty, like we talked about before, pretty passionate about cereals. Uh, we had some really close calls, so uh, the Foley fam helped us anytime we had a tie. So it was pretty, pretty entertaining, pretty fun. Um, and we had we had a heavy hitter come through on the end. So uh, we have some unboxing mania videos going up. We're actually going to do a uh, a wrestling room walkthrough. We've had a lot of people in our um, Foley fam ask about the uh, the figure cave because we haven't had to, uh, you know. We haven't updated it since we moved here to Virginia, so we, we want to show you guys what all's going on in there. All right. Yeah, we also had the Chick-fil-A Rumble uh, Part 7 this past weekend. Kenny Daniels won that. I think it was our best one yet. For those who don't know, it's pretty much like the funnest event that we do with the Patreons. We do a simulated WWE 2K Rumble, and we live stream it just like it's a, a regular event on pay-per-view. He won it with Vader, Last Lemonade and The Undertaker, but the big story was Bret Hart going from number seven all the way to the final four yeah. and damn near winning the thing. Um, if anybody's played those Royal Rumbles on WWE 2K, you know there is a very, very high degree of randomness involved, and it's pretty difficult to, to make any kind of extended run from one of the early spots. So yeah, Bret did Brett it. He was, was still dumping it, over. Yeah, he was dumping over people like Sid and Kane all the way to the very end. It, it was a lot of fun. People were marking out. Um, so that's definitely a good perk if, if you remember the, the Foley fam and We'll look to have Chick-fil-A Rumble 8 sometime in April. We also want to give a shout out to our fellow Pod Foundation members, The Extra Cooler Show, Pyramid Wrestling, and The Turnbuckle Tavern. So definitely subscribe to their feeds wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube and check out all the amazing content that they have coming out. And last but not least, we want to remind you guys to use code Chick-fil-A to save 10% on all your purchases at Ringside Collectibles. You guys ready to get inside the squared circle? Let's do it. All right, so Fastlane is finally in the rear view on the road to WrestleMania. You guys see what I did there? I, I see. Yeah. I, I got it. I, I appreciate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marco, what was your overall <laughs> thoughts on the uh, on the pay-per-view? Um, I think like uh, pretty much everyone was on the same boat when it, you know, the beginning was a little slow, even like the pre-show uh, match. Um, it was kind of like, eh. Um, and you really weren't knowing what to expect because it's the pay-per-view before WrestleMania and I would say they don't want to do too much to take away from WrestleMania. 
But um, yeah, I think at the beginning it was kind of slow. And then obviously in the, the middle towards the end, it got a, got a little interesting to say the least. Um, <laughs> with, yeah. uh, with the, um, the Alexa bliss, Randy Orton match, which we'll probably get into at some point. Uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was not really enjoyed it. Obviously fast is kind of like a throwaway um, pay-per-view. Um, and it, it, it kind of, de- it delivered. It didn't think, I didn't think it was going to deliver, but it delivered towards the end. So I was happy with it by the end of it. The first half of the show, I thought we were on course for potentially, you know, if not the worst pay-per-view in yeah. WWE history, it oh, was yeah. going into the Hall of be Shame. Close. Yeah. yeah, it was going into the Hall of Shame for sure with some of those really, really bleak shows out there. But Seth Rollins and Nakamura came out and pretty mm-hmm. much changed the whole energy of the yeah. show. And then it just picked up the rest of the way and was was everything after that was, was either, you know, really good or at least solid. It, mm-hmm. it at least was interesting. Uh, Sheena, what do you think of the night? Just like what you guys said, the first half of the show, I was just thinking to myself, and as I, we were doing our live thread in the Facebook group, I, I was just thinking like, man, this is, this is going to be bad. You know, um, even you could just tell by the tone of the, the group, everybody was like, what the hell are we watching? You know? Um, and then like you said, Nakamura and Seth came out and changed it. And then we got, you know, a, a great match between, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan and uh, Roman Reigns, which was awesome. And then, of course, the the uh, smoking hot finale with uh, Alexa, Br- Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton and uh, the crispy fried fiend. So, yeah, it, overall, I mean, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't anything that was super memorable, but it's, uh, you know, I'm glad it's behind us. What was your match of the night, Shane? Oh, that's tough. I mean, I, I think just overall, like, you know, I, I think Roman versus Daniel Bryan was definitely the match of the night for me. Um, it was just an amazing match. I, I think it the, the fact that Roman tapped out, um, even though, you know, it didn't count, like it just showed us that, you know, he, he does have an Achilles heel, you know, like he is human, even though we thought, we've thought all along that nobody could defeat him. Uh, he showed that he does have a weakness, and um, I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah, definitely Roman and Daniel Bryan won match of the night for me. Yeah, they went 30 minutes, definitely delivered. Yeah. Marco, did you think uh, Roman and Daniel Bryan, did they top their match from the first ever Fastlane back in 2015? Uh, I think so, and I think that's what they mm-hmm. pretty much set out to do. Um, I think uh, they kind of like hyped it up before this match happened. Like, oh, they were on the first uh, Fastlane. You know, it was like it's like, you know, mm-hmm. so many years in the making for it to happen, but uh no, it definitely lived up to the hype and and then WWE so. loves a uh, so so many years in the making. Don't yeah, they? So, that's, yeah, that's, that's like their that's like their favorite match uh, gimmick. They're like, oh, this is you know x amount of years in the making. Yeah, like the uh, the you know the I said he was I didn't say he tapped out. I said he was kind of fanning himself because he was he looked a little hot. So I think he was kind of like waving a little air in his face because he was like you know kind of out of breath. So I don't think he really tapped in that in that sense, but. uh no, it was a really awesome. It was, it was questionable. It was questionable. Yeah, it was a questionable tap. It was a, kind of like a light tap. Maybe he was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, trying to like, like I said, try to fan his face a little bit and look hot in that arena. So who knows? But uh, the the other thing, too, uh, about that match was the storytelling always. Um, yeah. you, you know, it's I'm a storytelling guy. I like to see that stuff in matches. Mm-hmm. I like I like the, the you know, the facial expressions and nuances, all that type of stuff, not just the move sets and all that. Um, you have to have that type of like the, the, the speeches or the, the talking in between the matches, stuff like that. And I think I pointed out, like, it seems like they like turn up the microphones every time Roman Reigns gets in the ring. I'm not sure if you guys oh, yeah. noticed that, but they like kind of yeah, like, I think it's been up. A, I think it's been one of the perks of being in the Thunderdome. You know, Roman's yeah. definitely benefited from that a lot, but we've seen that in a few different matches where they're really able to kind of add another element of, of the storytelling. Like you mentioned with the in ring trash talk going back and forth between the yeah. wrestlers. 
Yeah, no, it's, like it, it was it was really good. Yeah, like I said, I'm a storytelling guy. Like Stone Cold always says it all the time. Like uh, if you listen to his podcast, you gotta tell a story. You gotta <laughs> you gotta do it. You gotta bring the crowd in and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was thoroughly enjoyed by that. That was my favorite match, definitely. Yeah, those last five minutes were just awesome. I can mm-hmm. only imagine if there was a live crowd there, they would be losing their minds. Jay Uso and Edge both did an excellent job adding some energy yes. and uh, you know their their roles in the match. They really delivered also. So hats off to them. I think that was a classic. That's one that's going to go in Roman and Daniel Bryan's highlight reels um, down the line. So we got to talk about it. I think the the most noteworthy thing, even besides from the main event, was the Fiend making his triumphant return after getting set on fire. Yeah. at TLC. Uh, Sheen, what's your what's your take on The Fiend's new look? I like it. I know there was a lot of people, you know, clowning it, saying it looked like the Toxic Avenger and all this stuff. But I mean, I don't know what people wanted him to look like when he came back. I, I'm just glad that they gave him a new look, you know, that they that they went, they, they, they used the continuation of the storyline because WWE is notorious for just like forgetting things in the past that happened and just moving on, you know, so they could have totally had him just come out as his normal fiend self that we knew from before but um i loved the melted mask um we were talking about it in the group um i can't remember who who it was but we had like the exact same thought at the exact same moment we were like he looks like a s'more you know like a smushy s'more um and uh (laughs) i think that's kind of like what his mask looks like i think the 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 bodysuit needs a little bit of work i think it could be really cool uh but i'm here for the mask i think the mask looks mage at least we're gonna get some cool new figures out of it marco are you a fan of the toasted fiend yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool. And it, again, it's it goes back to you know Vince McMahon uh, saying you know they they make movies, um, and that's what they set out to do when they have their when they have their events and stuff like that. So you can tell they put a. I mean, their production is. We talk about this all the time. Top notch. Like you can't beat WWE when it comes to like a wrestling show. They're just going to go above and beyond with everything. And um, I think I, uh, there was an article on who did that, like the actual. Um, like the the new mask that he has on, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious as to like it's the it's the guy who does the like he did like you know Jason he does like a lot of horror um, masks I cannot remember his name but yeah um, I always forget it too um, but yeah that's probably but, who it was I imagine yep. but I wasn't sure if because uh, it kind of looked like his I'm not sure if he was wearing like a vest or something like that but it kind of looked like he had like like his like he had like scale like almost like scaly skin almost I'm not sure if you guys noticed that at all like Mm-mm. there are yeah, parts he had of his stuff eyes, on a. Uh, he had like some stuff on his arms too. Yeah, and it looked like it was kind of like that. scales, like he's like a lizard almost, like a like a um, reptilian uh, warlord or something like that. We won't get into that, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Like it, it, like I said, it brings another element, and it just shows how above and beyond WWE is. What did you everything. guys think? What did you guys think of just like the overall match of the the Fiend versus, or sorry, um, Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss? Like you know the way they executed it. Cause we didn't really know what to expect from that. It was just kind of like, well, this is going to be this, you know, intergender match that we're having here. So how is this going to play out? You know? Um, so how did you guys think it played out, Seth? I think the, the production values were top notch, like Marco said, and I know there's an audience for, for this kind of stuff, but for me as the, you know, the king of kayfabe self-proclaimed, it's just hard to maintain my disbelief, my mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief as I'm watching something like this. Cause at the end of the day, it's the WWE universe. You know, this stuff all kind of exists in, in a world of itself. 
And so in the same world where we got Seth Rollins feuding with Cesaro just over respect, over yeah. who's the, the best wrestler or whatever, we also have this guy who is completely set on fire and then can come out from the bottom of the ring from like another dimension. We got a chick that can shoot fireballs out of her hand. <laughs> um, yeah, I knew it was going to be just, interesting when the first thing that happened was he comes out and there's just like black blood, you know, I was like, oh. Here, yeah, doing, and the announcers this. all just kind of accept it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like me, I'm I'm a simple guy. If I see somebody walking down the street and they're shooting fireballs out of their hand, I want to know like, the how hell the hell did there. you do that? <laughs> yeah, what what's going on here? But it's just something that we're kind of fed to expect. I don't know if it's like I said, it could be like kind of like the WWE's version of like a horror movie um, to appeal to to that audience and stuff, but. I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. I, I was entertaining. I can't say I was entertained or intrigued by it. And you know, sometimes I question if maybe I'm watching the wrestling just to kind of drive my figure collecting habit. And I'm definitely intrigued to get some <laughs> cool new toasted fiend figures and some fiend Alexa. Yeah, um, fiend Alexa figures, figure is going to be is going to be amazing. I can't I can't wait for that. I can't imagine that they're not going to do that. But yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Um, I talked about this a little bit on if you guys listened to my episode on the Turnbuckle Tavern when I joined them for their Turnbuckle debate how. That just goes to show you how um, compartmentalized WWE is, you know, like their storylines exist only in that storyline, whereas like AEW, the whole universe interacts with one another, which makes it feel more cohesive, which is I feel like why their storylines feel more important because their storylines are are very nuanced, you know, like there's people that have interactions with one another that, you know, may not pay off for, you know, a couple of months down the road. Uh, whereas WWE, like when someone is in a feud, they're only in that feud and like, they don't ask questions. You're never going to have Seth Rollins, like asking like, dude, Randy, like, you know, what about those fireballs? You know, like he's, he's like, it's just not going to happen because those, those storylines cannot exist in the same universe like you were alluding to. So it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, again, it does, it does test your suspension of disbelief, but you know, what wh- What can we do, right? Hey, going back to you guys talking about the mask. So it was made by Colossum Studios. That's the same company that made uh, the original Fiend mask. Tom Savini is the Tom artist. Savini, oh, yes. Tom Savini, is in, yes. Yeah, he's the overall head of the studio. So he personally designed and constructed the original Fiend mask. This time, um, this time around, he was just the project supervisor, but it was actually a team of artists underneath him that put together the whole look with the, uh, you know, the, and they did everything from head to toe for the updated Fiend. So, yeah, that's Colossum Studios. If you guys want to check them out on social media, they got some pretty cool stuff. And mm-hmm. you can actually buy replicas of a lot of their masks. Um, so going back to just overall thoughts on the show, I was thinking a lot uh, after afterwards, like actually not afterwards, during the first half of the show. And I'm questioning, like, what am I doing with my life watching some of this stuff? Um, and I just want to pose a question to you guys. Like, should there even be a pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania? Because the Royal Rumble is already the perfect Mania lead in. We have what's, if not the best match of the year, is definitely the most fun match of the year with the 30-man Rumble. And that crowns who's going to go and fight, you know, theoretically in the main event at WrestleMania for the World Championship. So, so Marco, I'll kick it to you first. Like, you know, explain, you know, whether you're for or against it. Do we need additional pay-per-views in between the Rumble and Mania? Or should we just have a clean stretch to to build all the way to the, the granddaddy of them all. Um, not yet. No, I think you should, I think they, I mean, they should get rid of the pay-per-views in between. Uh, cause it's two, you have a, you have elimination chamber. Um, and then you have fast lane. So you have two pay-per-views in between, mm-hmm. uh, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, which kind of takes it away. They could literally take all those matches and all those different things that they do minus the elimination chamber, um, and put it to use on like raw or SmackDown, yes. just whatever, yes. whatever matches, whatever storylines, whatever, 
whatever, whatever they have going into WrestleMania should be focused on that. And I'm not saying it's going to, you know, cure the, like the viewership uh, woes that they have, but I think it would probably do a little, little, little bump. If, if, if you, yeah. you go out of your way and just throw a uh, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan match on a, on a SmackDown before. Yeah. Uh, give WrestleMania. us a hyped up version of SmackDown. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Do that. Like AEW does it. Week week in and week out. They yeah, do. when they're not having their pay per view, yeah, they yeah. have those like hyped up weekly shows. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah they, they actually feel yeah. like you know little pay per views. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to say like you know I, I think two pay per views is too much. Um, I do think there is a place for um for a, for a pay per view between the Rumble and Mania. I think it's the perfect opportunity to kind of fill the card for um for WrestleMania. But you know what we're seeing is like they're they're still taking the, the main event matches and they're putting them on these like you know B level actually sorry C level pay-per-views um which it's just like it's kind of like wearing them thin right whereas they could really be building feuds and building storylines between other people um to make the all the like you know lower card matches at mania feel important right like these things could kind of kick off at at fast lane or elimination chamber right and then you know those storylines can go into mania whereas like we're still seeing like you know Roman and Daniel Bryan like there was no need for Roman and Daniel Bryan to be on fast lane uh, you know, as much as that match was awesome, like that, it didn't need to be there, right? They could, they could have really took it, taken that time, and built up, you know, um, Apollo and Biggie, and let them have like a big, huge moment, right? To get, get to get us so excited. Now, like, you know, they kind of just got thrown in the mix there and had a crappy match, and now I'm just like, uh, you know, like I don't really, I've, I've kind of lost interest, right? So I think, I think there is an opportunity to use use those pay per views, but it's just how you, it's just how you use them. Yeah, I agree. Back in the day when it was just the the one in your house, which was already like by by definition a minor show in between Rumble and Mania, I thought that was okay. But yeah, we definitely don't need to. I'm a mm-hmm. fan of maybe just having going back to just the Elimination Chamber being in the in between show, and then you can have for whatever brands didn't win the Rumble, they can determine their number one contenders for Mania at the Elimination Chamber. So. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. This the pay per view did not need to happen, especially three weeks before WrestleMania, because. It feels WrestleMania definitely feels like a little bit half-hearted this year, which oh, yeah. I don't know if it yeah. has to do with the pandemic or with so much of so much change with the new Peacock streaming deal. But mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like WrestleMania. We have, we have almost no like long-term. Randy Orton and the Fiends is really the only like long-term story that's going into Mania this year. Whereas yeah. normally all the Mania feuds are being built, you know, two, three, four months out. Yeah, and we're not the only ones feeling like that. Um, you know, I've talked to several people, and it's just like it doesn't feel like mania season, or that you know the build has not been like what we're used to. And listen, th- I feel like this year is actually more weird than last year. Ironically enough, you know, last year, I mean, they they had mania in the performance center, and I still feel like I was more ready for mania than yeah. I am than I, than I am this year. It's just kind of like I don't I don't know. Again, it's just I, I feel like they've kind of just drop the ball there's been so many changes and not to mention you know i think it doesn't it doesn't help at all that the weekly programming has been so bad and you guys know like we're we're here we we are understanding we're fans just like you guys like we understand that the weekly shows for wwe have just been like not good they've been crap right we're here to talk about the good things you know we want to highlight you know there's plenty of places on the internet and in podcasting you can go where people will just bitch and bitch and bitch about all the things that are wrong with wwe we're not here to like you know just fill your fill your ears with negativity so we always try to highlight the things that are positive um but i definitely i, I can't not say that the pay-per-view or sorry that the, the weekly television has just really kind of killed my any excitement that i've had for for mania this year mm-hmm. yeah i think another big thing is that the thing why I think last year the build was still a little bit better was 
because up until really a month out, they were still planning on having to fill true. up a whole football stadium worth of fans. Very Whereas true. this year from the start, you know, they didn't know if they were going to have fans at all. Then it was just, um, you know, I think it's going to end up being around 25,000. So yeah. much more reduced capacity. It's a lot more pressure when you got to fill up an entire stadium uh, with, with the show. So that may have a little bit something to do with it also. We talked about it a little bit earlier about Fastlane being the first event streaming on Peacock. Marco, did you watch on the network or Peacock on Sunday night? I I watched it on the network, actually. I didn't watch it on Peacock. Um, yeah, we did the same. I was planning same. on streaming it on Peacock, but then I was like, eh, you know what? For old time's sake, let me we're watch gonna, yeah, we're going to just use the network, the network until they completely make us not. All right, so we're moving from one lukewarm topic to to another one that's a little bit of a bummer. Andrade has officially been released from WWE. Sheena, I know you got some thoughts on this, so I'm gonna let you, you take it away first. What what are your thoughts on uh, on Andrade finally moving on to possibly greener pastures? Well, it's kind of it's kind of a uh, you know it's it's good and bad. I'm I'm glad that they they allowed him to have his release and didn't just, you know, hold him on the shelf and let him just sit back at catering doing nothing, um, like he's been doing. I'm I'm glad they, you know come to some sort of agreement. I mean, there's kind of mixed uh, rumors out there, whether his uh, release does include a 90 day non-compete or not. Um, I've heard, I've heard from both sides that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't either way. Um, the fact that he's not in WWE anymore and he's not on the WrestleMania card and he's not been a prominent player since he came, is just like a complete and utter failure. I just feel like Andrade has, you know, we always talk about the it factor on this show. He has the it factor. He has the, you know, just the the charisma, the talent, just all of it, you know. And it, it, with Zelina Vega, they were just as over as they could be, like just incredible. Um, and the fact that they couldn't make it work on the main stage just goes to show you, like, like I, like I put in my post, just the level of talent mismanagement that WWE has right now. Yeah, I agree. This guy should have been a easy main eventer on the main roster. He was awesome on NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, people said that it was his lack of being able to speak English, but the dude had so much charisma just with his in-ring performances that I don't even think he needed it. I used to love it in NXT when Zelina Vega would, would yeah. cut the promo and then he would get on the mic at the end and just start yelling stuff in Spanish. Like The guy was just an incredible, yeah, well, you, incredible You see that with Penta right had. now. Penta has a, a translator and he still feels like awesome. I, I, you know, half the time, I mean, you know, more than half the time, like 90% of the time he's speaking in Spanish, but I still am like, damn, you know, Penta's a badass, you know? I just feel like that, that that's just a cop-out excuse. I think that there, there are ways around that um, that they could have they could have used. Yeah, I think 90% of the time when, you know, people get labeled as misused by WWE, I really think the fans are kind of off base because mm-hmm. if people are getting TV time every week, then WWE's holding them in pretty high value. But with Andrade, you know, just getting consistent TV time um, definitely wasn't enough. This guy should have been at the the tippy top of the card from the moment he debuted. I think he had he had a, a just a random match on on raw with Seth Rollins. That was freaking awesome. And really kind of showed the potential of what he could look like in the main event scene. But he was just never able to get past that U S title picture kind of mid card slot for whatever reason. Uh, Marco, what do you think? Did it, did WWE miss the boat with Andrade? Um, I don't, for some reason it just feels like he wasn't there long enough to actually even like on the main roster anyway, to like gauge that type of answer for me anyway. He hasn't um, been on TV since like October, I think. No, that's what, I mean, like when he was on like the main roster, like it, mm-hmm. like he, it was kind of like a short stint. It wasn't like he was on the, he was on Raw every single Monday. There wasn't like a Monday he missed. 
I think where they messed up was when they split everyone up when they took like, when they Zelina. split Zelina Vega and yeah. her band of gorgeous men. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. When it, they when they took all them apart, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. It's a faction thing. It's like we're not sure if this is a they true thing, but factions. it seems like they hate factions. It's it, yeah. it just seems like it. Like you you have something cool that's going, everyone catches on to it, and it's just like nope. Get rid of it next week, and that's what happens. Andrade uh, didn't even get drafted in the WWE draft. No, that was the other thing too. Like, and there's a there's a lot of things too. Obviously, you know who his his fiance is and stuff like that. So, like, which you would think that would give him a little bit more leverage, wouldn't you? Either that, or maybe not, because you know, if he is getting that push, oh, you're only going to push because such and such is your significant other, that type of thing. So yeah. maybe that's why they didn't go that route. They didn't want him like, or she didn't want him to go through that at all. She wanted him to like, um, or he wanted like to do it himself. He didn't want to be like on the coattails of a, of a flare. Or something I know. Like that, well, so. and everything that we're speaking is speaking strictly from like speculation. None of us yeah. know Andrade personally. Like he may be, he may be a giant asshole to work with. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not true. saying that. I'm not saying that's true. I mean, I, I, I have no reason to believe that, but um, you know, we're, we're speaking strictly from like the fans perspective and like what we know. Um, and it's funny because in his um, in his tweet, he said he wanted to thank Triple H and Paul Heyman and uh, Regal, but he didn't mention Vince at all. Like he didn't he didn't mention Vince like uh, like out of all those people. I was like, like mm, yeah. that's that's like kind I of said, telling, you know. Like I, said, I had a I had a back and forth in your in your comment section. I know where I stand with this with this storyline. <laughs> I'm sticking with my uh, I'm sticking with my my guns. On that storyline, that's and then he just brought up a good point right there. He just kind of proved my my point by saying that that he didn't thank Vince McMahon. So definitely is something there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, we don't we'll never know. It'll, it'll come out at some point, but right now we don't know. We can only go off of uh, innuendo, as I like to mm-hmm. say. Let's uh, let's take a trip down memory lane. Everybody share their favorite uh, moment from Andrade's five year run in in NXT Ooh. and WWE. Sheena, you go first. Oh, I mean, I I the one that stands out to me always is uh, Johnny Gargano versus um, Andrade at NXT Takeover Philadelphia. Um, it was just a banger of a match. Uh, Andrade had that incredible entrance with like the mariachi band, and he came out wearing his like full you know lucha gear and the mask and the whole the whole nine. It just looked amazing so if you haven't ever seen that match um please go back it's from you know january 27th back in 2018 so it's yeah andrade versus johnny gargano nxt takeover philadelphia what about you marco marco i'm here um i'm gonna (laughs) go with uh nxt takeover i think it was new orleans him and uh alistair black for the nxt championship Um, yeah that match was awesome. That was, uh, yeah, definitely not the New Orleans where obviously Daniel Bryan won the championship. It was the second yeah. <laughs> New Orleans yeah. uh, uh, appearance. But yeah, no, that, that match, definitely go back and watch that one. Um, obviously, if I'm a huge Alistair Black fan as well. So, I mean, and it's kind of weird, the, like the whole dynamic that they're all kind of like intertwined a little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not, were they dating at the time? Was Alistair Black dating Zelina Vega when... Yeah, During that, that was that was sure. 2016. I think that was Alistair Black versus Andrade was NXT Takeover Orlando, right? No, so I thought he, it was, he I, debuted. Uh, so that was Alistair Black's debut match in 2017 at Takeover Orlando, and then they fought for the NXT belt in 2018 in New Orleans. Yes, that's a that's. Oh, a, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of like it's kind of weird how they're all like intermingled. In I that know, sense, yeah. But, <laughs> 
It is. But yeah, uh, it's, you know, I don't know. Where do you think, where do you think you should go next? Clearly the, everybody just automatically thinks AEW. Do you think like in your heart of hearts that he would be a good fit in AEW or do you think there is somewhere else that would be a better fit for Andrade? What about you, Seth? So I think eventually he needs to go to AEW because as awesome as New Japan is, um, I think it's without a shadow of a doubt, AEW is clearly the number two wrestling promotion in the world right now. But I, w- I don't want to see him immediately jump over because they just had Big Show debut. They mm-hmm. had Christian debut. To a lesser extent, they had um, Ethan Page debut. Yeah, He needs to go back to New Japan and kind of reestablish himself, remind everybody why La Sombra was the hottest free agent in wrestling a few years ago, why he was the best luchador in the world have another awesome run in new japan for maybe six to nine months and then come back to AEW as and be the main eventer that we know he should be i'm I'm here for that yeah i agree maybe he maybe he really does have a 90 day non-compete so maybe we won't see him for uh you know three months anyway so you know he'll have some time to uh figure out what he wants to do and where he wants to go and how he wants to uh use his character going forward looking at the bigger picture what do you guys think is the reason why we've had so many amazing, amazing NXT guys come up and just fall totally flat on the main roster from, you know, obviously Andrade is the one that's fresh in our memory. Aleister Black is also going down that same path. Um, It looks like Keith Lee Mm -hmm. might be in danger of falling Mm -hmm. in that same mix. To a lesser extent, Bobby Roode never really translated the way we thought he would. Tyler Breeze. Um, Tyler Breeze, definitely. Ricochet. Ricochet. Shinsuke, Shinsuke's had his moments, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Finn really Miller. since that first year, he fell off. Yeah, yeah Finn, even Finn. I think Finn's a unique case. I, I would put Finn in a separate box because they originally gave Finn the biggest push anybody could have had. He beat Roman clean his first yeah. night <laughs> yeah. on the main roster, and then he beat Seth Rollins clean in his first pay per view match. But they, but he got hurt. So, um, but you know, I'll pass to you first. What do you, what do you think is the cause? Because this is definitely. Um, you know, it's an epidemic at this point. It's not just mm-hmm. a couple of random occurrences. It's it's become the kind of like the the most expected outcome when these guys come up. You know, it's it's not even a surprise anymore when somebody comes up from NXT and and just doesn't translate. Well, I, okay. So besides just using the blanket um, answer of just like Vince, right? Which I know is everybody's like screaming into their microphones, like yeah, it's Vince. You know, he's out of touch and all the things that you know people say about Vince. Um, there's that, but I think. I think mainly, especially so thinking back to the old NXT, um, now it's a little bit different because NXT is a little bit more commercial now, um, you know, and they they have a lot more, you know, ads and, you know, things that they have to promote and things it's like that. It's definitely taken a, it's taken a half step closer to what Rollins Smackdown is than, yes. than what it used to be. Yes. So, but thinking back to like the older NXT, the NXT that those guys that we've all talked to, that we were just talking about came from, um, I feel like there's such focus on like character development. And when you're working at a place like Full Sail, where it's just like a smaller, like really passionate audience, you really can, you know, use your character to the full extent and just, you know, you ha- they give them the time for their matches and like all of these things, right? Um, that just don't translate on the big stage, right? Like it's, it's almost like I don't want to say it's a uh, being a a big fish in a small pond because we know that those guys are talented and they they have every capability to perform on that big stage. But there's something about the characters that we love in NXT, like some there's something about them that just doesn't when you put them in Raw and there's like you're not getting that intimate like commentary on who they are, what like their history and all that kind of stuff, because you have Michael Cole 
too busy telling you about the next pay-per-view, too busy telling you about the sponsors, too busy telling you about what match is coming up next. So you're not even getting that like intimate character development with these with these guys that we're used to. Um, and that's what makes us love NXT so much. That's what makes us so devoted to NXT is because we love the characters. We love their history. We love, you know, their feuds. We love everything about what they have going on. And you can't it gets watered down on the main roster. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't translate. I mean, I may be totally wrong. My perspective may be way off base, but to me, that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why I think um, they don't, they don't translate. What about you guys? No, I, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think you kind of nailed it. These it's, they're really fully developed characters with a lot of nuance on NXT. And when they come up to the main roster, it seems like the character gets boiled down to, to mm-hmm. one note, you know, one Bobby Roode note, is just, very uh, one note. the glorious entrance guy, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it. Shinsuke is just Japanese guy. You know, it seems yeah. like that became his gimmick when he came up. Um, and yeah, I think that's the the biggest problem. You know, we don't have all Matt that Riddle, stuff. Matt Riddle either. is a bro. Like that's it. Like he's literally. I just think a Matt Riddle is just a mentally challenged individual now. I think that's kind of his gimmick. He's like the Forrest Gump of the yeah, WWE it's, now. Or it's it, it, it's beyond at this point. But yeah, it's like they just took like his one tagline and like they're like, yeah, he's a bro. You know, and like that's all he has to offer. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, he used to be a stoner that could kick your ass, and now he's yeah. just like an idiot. Hmm. Don't yeah. you know, don't you think like at like it's up to the individual as well to overcome that stuff? I mean, there's only there's only so much creative control they have. I mean, we've heard interview after interview after interview. I mean, look at look at the Dean Ambrose. If you go back and look at, you know, him doing his uh, his interview with Chris Jericho talking about how like the things that he had to do that he was just like, this is awful. Like when he was doing the whole, um, you know, the mask thing and the, you know, he, he hated that, but there, there was, and when he was making fun of Roman's uh, cancer and all that kind of stuff, he's like, I don't want to do this, you know, but that's just, that's what it calls for. And like, you don't have a choice, right? Like you are literally just a, you know, gear in this big cog. Um, and I'm sure there are some people that have more pull than others. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they can push back a little bit, but at what, at what cost? I mean, you can push back, but then what are you risking? You know, them being like, okay, well, you're not, you're hard to work with. So we're going to put somebody else in your spot because there's always yeah. people waiting in the wings to jump in and take that spot. Yeah. There's very few, like you have like Kevin Owens, um, from NXT. He, he got John Cena right away when he, mm-hmm. and he was still the NXT champion. Yeah. Um, you have, uh, I'll always say this, Enzo and Big Cass, probably the, mm-hmm. the most over NXT people so in the over. history of NXT. Like, I don't think anyone mm-hmm. will ever be as over as them. I could be wrong, but I haven't seen a reaction like that from an mm-hmm. NXT. Yeah, those pops were insane, man. Yeah. yeah. And still, look they at, were still, Look at the night after uh, WrestleMania 32 when they debuted on the main yeah, roster. It was incredible. Yeah. Like, they, like, transcended. So I think, like I said, for me, it's that's why I, like, kind of brought this up to the individual. Like, you have to kind of, like, prove that you are that person you were in NXT. And if they don't see that right away, they're not going to do anything. And I, I, I think yeah, they can say I, the same I, thing with Ricochet. Like you have to, you have to have a promo. He does not have a promo. He's not a good promo. You have to be able to talk in the, in, on the mic when you're in the ring with somebody. And he, he, you can't just flip and do all this stuff and expect people to like, you know, that's going to take you as far as it's going to go. True. But you, but you also, you also depend on, like I was talking about earlier, you also depend on the commentary team to build your story and to build you up and to tell people why you're important, right? Like there's only so many times you're going to get the mic either backstage or on, in the middle of the ring to be able to like tell people why they should care about you. So it is up to the, you know, the people on the mic that have it, you know, have your attention to tell you why, why these people 
Like, why are you, why are you investing in these people? You know, Uh, I could see both sides. I mean, you're right. Commentary does play a big part. We know Vince is kind of directing the commentary, but also I would say for somebody like Shinsuke Nakamura, I never had to have commentary. Tell me anything about him. I just saw him make his entrance and saw him wrestle. And I was like, this guy's a star to me. I think, you know, I think both you guys made some really great points. I think Marco, you're right that these guys, it is on them to make an immediate impact. You know, you never get a second chance to make that first impression. And mm-hmm. I think you need to get, you know, obviously there's an audience of millions of wrestling fans around the world, but they got to know that they're really performing for that audience of one backstage when Vince yeah. McMahon's watching. And they got to make sure that they capture him right away because one of the problems with WWE currently having the deepest and most talented roster that they've ever had across, you know, all, all the brands, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, is that there's always a, an extremely talented individual that's ready to step up and take that TV time if you're not doing with it what they think you should. So it's yeah, just, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like a, it's like the gong show, you know, like if somebody's, you know, up there for five minutes and not doing things need to do then you know vince is banging the gong and getting the next yeah. person out there um hopefully it gets hopefully it changes sometime because it it sucks seeing some of these really awesome people like i loved andrade i mean i one of my biggest mark out moments of the last four or five years was when he beat drew mcintyre for the nxt title mm-hmm. uh just because i wasn't expecting it at all it was drew's first title defense and i just thought that andrade was kind of like a flavor of the week challenger and i remember literally jumping up and down <laughs> in our living room whenever andrade won and then he yeah. followed it up with uh, his match with johnny gargano that sheena talked about which is one of the best matches um, of all time. I think that match is just excellent. So I wish him the best wherever he goes. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. And I'm sure he's going to be back at the top, whether it's in Japan or in AEW sooner rather than later. We definitely started the show on a little bit of a down note this week. You know, we're usually super <laughs> positive, I think, to the point where, you know, sometimes I see people in the comments accusing Sheena of, you know, being a shill and just not being a critic at all of the stuff. Um, so let's start having some fun Let, and let's kick it, that off with the beverage break. Marco, tell us what you're drinking this week. Uh, sipping on a sipping on a nice, smooth Guinness right now that I uh, pour Back on like, the Guinness wagon. Like, yeah, before like five minutes before the show, just so it... It can settle. The foam can settle nice and deep. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing too crazy. Are you uh, you drinking out of the can or out of a pint glass? How are you? Uh, what's the delivery mechanism for oh, this no, Guinness? Oh, can, no, can, can to glass. So I got the, uh, the the tall cans that have that little like ball in it that uh, keeps it fresh. So when you crack it open, it lets all that out. You can pour it at the 45 degree angle. And make sure it's uh like I said, nice and foamy at the top. So what what does the ball do? I've seen that before in different beers. Like what's the actual mechanism that the ball is doing? It, it's keeping. Uh, I forget how they like uh, explain it on the on the. I watch a video on it. Kind of like keeps the, lack of a better terms, like freshness of the of the beer. So it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it so does, it's like a fresh you know, like, ball. Yeah, like kind of like you know, like cans can like kind of um, uh, with any like kind of like. All right, here we go. I'm I'm gonna give you okay. I'm gonna give you a a quick little rundown. It says uh, a widget is a hollow spherical piece of plastic with a tiny hole in it. It looks like a ping pong ball. During the canning process, brewers add pressurized nitrogen to the brew, which trickles into the hole um, with a little bit of beer, and the entire can is then pressurized. So I guess it helps keep the pressure and the carbon dioxide and everything within within the beer. So 
Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're called they're called yeah. widgets. Yeah, because yeah, because that's the same thing that's in like a spray paint can, also, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, any type of like any carbon drink that's in a can, it's like, ugh, when you drink it, I hate drinking uh, stuff out of cans sometimes because yeah, I'm, the taste I'm, I'm, is I'm the pouring into a glass also. Um, yeah, it says Guinness pairs do- Guinness pairs nitrogen gas and carbon dioxide when the beer is poured in pubs on draft um, yep. to balance out the texture. So in order to replicate this effect for a Guinness served in a can, they put those little white widgets in there um, and to blast the stouts with nitrogen gas. So it just keeps like the nitrogen in there. So you're you're welcome. Thanks, Shane. Thank that you. was actually very, very interesting. Thank and you. uh, tell us what you're drinking on. Um, so I'm I'm sipping on the same thing I was sipping on last week. It's the Wasserhound uh, uh, Purebred Pilsner. It's a local brew here in Virginia Beach. Uh, good, good beer. A um, little crispy, a little spicy. Uh, can't complain. Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, craft breweries that will do a, a lager or a Pilsner, you know, which is really kind of like your main... Uh, you know, instead of microbreweries, like the macro breweries, like Anheuser-Busch and Miller and mm-hmm. Coors, you know, they're doing typically a lager or a Pilsner. So I'm always interested if I can find a craft version of those types of beers, because it really lets you kind of see um, how they stack up to, to normal beer, you know, because it's easy to make some kind of crazy quadruple IPA with a really unique flavor and stand out. But um, some of those craft breweries, they kind of shy away from competing with the big boys, because even though it's a little bit of a simpler flavor profile. Um, they have kind of perfected it, you know, so it can be hard to take them on. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, I'm sticking with one of the big boys. I'm drinking the <laughs> the unofficial official beer of the Chick Foley show, Miller Lite. So they're going down easy. And um, I'm glad to knock back a few uh, fine Pilsner beers this evening as well. Let's move on to our next story. Let's keep with the positive energy. Rhea Ripley, the nightmare, she debuted on Raw this week and immediately is inserted in a title match with Asuka at WrestleMania. Sheena, how hype are you for Asuka versus Rhea? Y'all know this is my boo. This is my queen. Um, I love me some Rhea Ripley. Uh, And honestly, like this is the superior match of all the options that we were given. Like, you know, for this to be like the, you know, like the third plan of this women's title match that we were supposed to have. Um, I'm here for this 150%. The way that we got here, I'm not so hype about. Um, I'll talk about it in just a minute. But, you know, we were supposed to have Lacey versus Charlotte. And then, you know, Lacey got pregnant. And they spent a lot of time building up Lacey versus Charlotte, which is unfortunate because it just all came crashing down. So then it was Oscar versus Charlotte, which you just we're just playing it back. We're just getting the rerun of Oscar versus Charlotte. And then now we have this weird mystery with Charlotte, like, you know, what's what's really going on with Charlotte? All this kind of stuff with Andrade happened and then all the stuff, you know, she's um all you know, all of a sudden contracted COVID and you know, she's recovering from that and they've taken her off the WrestleMania uh posters and everything, which is just like kind of weird. But all that being said, uh, I think Oscar and Rhea are gonna like f- burn the freaking house down. Um, I just feel like they could have they could have done it a little better. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Did you get to did you guys get to watch this where Rhea came out and just basically told Oscar so Back it up, Peyton. Yeah, it was and- like when Michael. It was like when uh, Michael Scott declared bankruptcy. Yes, oh, it was exactly. Yeah, yeah. I declare WrestleMania match. That's exactly. Yeah. That's like, exactly. Shit, what if it happened. was that easy, I just would have <laughs> drove down to Orlando and went to the Thunderdome and said, "Hey, I'm fighting for the world championship." This, Hell yes, uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But you know, so Peyton Royce had an am- amazing match uh, against Oscar, which was which was pretty awesome. Um, and then Rhea just comes out of nowhere and she's like, "Well." Since, you know, Charlotte declared a mania match on you while you were recovering. So she's not here. So I guess I'm going to step in and declare a mania match with you while she's not here. 
and it felt really weird because they're both baby faces. Um, and I was actually listening something this morning and somebody was in the Thunderdome whenever this happened. I'm breaking kayfabe pretty, pretty hardcore here. There was somebody that was in the Thunderdome when this happened and they got, they were told to cheer for Rhea. So clearly she's still being, you know, booked as a baby face. So you have Asuka who's a baby face versus Rhea who's a baby face. So it's just kind of like they, they should have turned Rhea heel and just had her like kick the shit out of Asuka. And then I would have been like, Oh hell yeah, let's go. You know, what do you, what do you guys Asuka, think about though, this? The- Oscar's pretty unique in that she's got the ability to kind of be a heel for one match only. She did it a couple times uh, when she was feuding with Ember Moon in NXT just because her moveset can be so vicious and just mean-spirited that it's easy for her to basically be a heel for one night only and then go back to just being, you know, the kind of weird, uh, you know, Empress of Tomorrow that that everybody loves. I'm really excited for the match. I think it's going to be awesome, but... Uh, the still the big shadow hanging over this is Charlotte. You know, mm-hmm. you talked about it that she was kind of disappearing. We didn't know if it was related to Andrade or not. They took her off the WrestleMania posters. Uh, the company line now is that she was taken off the WrestleMania posters as a precaution in case she had not recovered from uh, COVID-19 before it was time for the big show. Who knows where the right. truth lies on that. But I think the question we're all asking is, is this going to end up being a triple threat? Marco, what do you think? Will Charlotte end up being in this match at WrestleMania? Uh, <clears throat> I would hope not. Cause I definitely just want to see Oscar and Rhea go mm-hmm. at it. Um, you know, like the, the past of NXT versus the future of NXT, uh, essentially. But, um, yeah, I mean, if we're going to get a, another triple threat match with, uh, edge, Daniel Bryan and, Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. That's one too many triple threat matches. Yeah. Am I, am I, and this match is on, uh, this match is on night two as well. So that's something that kind of yeah. had me thinking, okay, maybe, so, uh, I don't, maybe I, it won't be. I can't imagine they have, t- you know, both big championship matches on night two are going to be triple threats, but yeah. it's Charlotte. So you I, can I never count her out. I, I, yeah. I don't think uh, my better judgment is telling me she's not going to be at WrestleMania. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think yeah, she's going to be in a triple threat match. To at me, all. it just seems like so. If they bring if they bring Charlotte back in, especially if they're planning on her winning, it just it's really going to make Oscar and Rhea both look terrible because uh, you know Charlotte's already beat Oscar, Charlotte's already beat Rhea, and it's just yeah. like, well, now I can face both of you at the same time, and I'm still going to kick your ass. Like, yeah. it, to, to me, See, it's I just it like doesn't benefit them. Yeah, I like I like that story of Charlotte coming in because yeah, like you said, she could say at the at the last two uh, or two of the last three manias. You know, she beat these. She beat both these ladies. So mm-hmm. I think I think there is a good story there, but I just don't know about doing two big triple threat matches. That's my only hold up on it. Um, I think Charlotte typically makes things better. I know everybody was yeah. pissed yeah. when she got inserted into the Becky and Ronda, and Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania 35. But I really don't think that match would. As much as we all love Becky, I don't think that match would have been as good if Charlotte wasn't there to kind of you know, just help the action along well, and Charlotte's, stuff. Yeah, she helps the action along, and Charlotte's always a wild card. You always got to watch out for her. You know, I, I feel like the, some of the matches you already have, like, predetermined a winner in your head, but when Charlotte's in there, you can never count her out. Like, the, it just always brings another element to the match, and she definitely elevates it. I, I, I'm not a Charlotte hater. I love me some Charlotte, um, but I would love to see one-on-one uh, Rhea versus Asuka. I just wish... I just wish it would have been a little bit more build. I know like a lot of things have happened and come up that were kind of out of everybody's control. So it really just kind of, you know, but I mean, these are like world-class, like, you know, supposed to be world-class writers for this television show that is like the longest episodic television show of all time. Like they couldn't come up with just something other than Rhea just coming out and I declare WrestleMania. And then smile. Like, <laughs> then, the, then they were smiling and just like, 
giggling with one another and like and I was just like you guys are not friends like this should not be friendly I don't want this to be friendly I want this to be like hardcore like yes I want that title like I feel like it was just two friends being like okay yeah let's fight you know well, we still got two episodes of Raw left between now and Mania so we'll see what happens I think it's mm-hmm. definitely up in the air though um, what the final form of the Raw Women's Championship match is going to be Let's move on to the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, Sheena, I think you're going to drive us on this segment. Tell us what we need to know about AEW and NXT from this week. Okay, so we did get some new matches announced tonight for uh, Stand and Deliver, which we know is a two-night event for um, WrestleMania weekend. They're going, so they're basically we kind of talked about it last week, but they're going to do a you know one night on WWE Network and one night on Peacock. So I think it's just kind of like no, I think it, I thought it was one night on USA. Oh, sorry. Is it one night on USA? My bad. So yeah, one night, I think night one's on USA, night two's on Peacock. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I stand corrected. I stand and deliver corrected. Um, <laughs> wow. Well done. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we have Walter versus Champa tonight. Um, you know, Champa come out and uh, confronted Walter. Which you guys, I don't know if it's just me. Um, Marco, did you notice that Champa's looking a little? like a little long in the tooth. Not that he didn't before, but I feel like he's looking a little more grizzled than he hidden. He's looked at. Jesus Christ. The guys had like long. four neck injuries. And <laughs> no, like, had like I think she's talking, no, anybody else's career. I'm not talking I think she's, about that. She's Dude. talking about like physically, I think like, yeah, his, hair, his, like hair, he's his, hair, his hair is gray. His and he's beard, like, is his beard. Like, that's what I'm yes. saying. Those, he has had these, I mean, these neck injuries would have ended the career of a normal guy. They're the reason why he's never going up to the main roster. Like something like that's going to put some age on you, man. Don't make, guy me, some slack. don't make no. me feel bad. I love Chompa more no, than I don't feel, anybody no, in this I'm world. I'm not feeling bad because when he came back the, from his neck injury, he was like clean shaven and yoked, ripped, dude. Just head, like, yeah, head yes. shaved, beard well capped. And now it's like he doesn't care yeah. anymore. Yeah, like, now it looks like he's geez, you know been under yeah. a bridge for a while. Yeah, like um, Chompa, if you're listening, I got no problem with the way you look, brother. You're good. <laughs> anyway, that match is going to be a banger. It's going down on night one. Um, it's going to be the main event of that night. Um, we are going to have a tag championship match with uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans versus MSK versus Legato Del Fantasmo to, um, you know, crown a new tag champion since the the belts had to be vacated. So what do you guys think yeah, about this? Thoughts, this and, uh, thoughts and prayers to Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. You know, Danny mm-hmm. Burch hurt his shoulder. I feel bad for those guys because they both they're both NXT veterans. Like they've been on NXT yeah. since I've been back watching wrestling in 2014, and they finally were getting some shine. Yeah. Um, and now now they're uh, you know and, now they're and, no more. So. Yeah, and Oni got his butt kicked tonight by uh, Kerry and Cross. So yeah. you know th- thoughts and thoughts and prayers to him. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully those I'm looking forward to seeing those guys come back and try to reclaim the belts. Um, Tag match should be awesome. I don't see anybody stopping MSK. They've had nonstop momentum since they came in, and I think it's going to roll right through Takeover, and they're going to start their run on top of the tag team division. Yeah. Um. So we are also getting a uh, like a women's championship match on night one. We had with EO and freaking oh my gosh Raquel Gonzalez, and then the gauntlet match. We're going to have a battle royal gauntlet match so this is this gonna is be- like something AEW would have come up <laughs> yeah. with yeah when they when they were telling the rules i was like i felt like i was like that that meme of the woman like with all the math equations you know like all around her yeah. head it was just like you, you know, know how the- uh you know how they throw up the screens like before the matches like that where it's got all the rules written out like <laughs> yeah. the font is going to be so super tiny um for this one because it's all kinds of shit going on it should be a pretty cool concept though 
Yeah, so it's it's a twelve man it's a twelve man battle royal, um, and the, so it's the last six men standing are going to participate in a gauntlet match the following night. Um, so the twelve man battle royal is going to be on the Wednesday night, so on on regular NXT programming, right. and then the battle royal is going to be on the first night of uh, sorry sorry the battle royal is going to be on the first on Wednesday night. The gauntlet match. Here I go. <laughs> so the first, so the first six guys, the first six guys in the battle royal are just gone. They're done. They're not yeah. a factor anymore. Then the 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 rest of that battle royal, it's going to determine the order in the gauntlet match. So correct. You know, whoever gets eliminated, you know, the number six guy, he's going to be first up in the gauntlet match, so on and so forth. And then mm-hmm. the winner of the gauntlet match will be fighting Johnny Gargano on night on two, the final of, night. Uh, yeah, which I'm hyped for this because if it's one thing that WWE has got in the bag, it's a gauntlet match. Gauntlet they know match. how to, they know build how to up, do it. Yeah, they know how to build up a baby face uh, to get over like Rover off of a gauntlet match. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, obviously, this one could go any number and you gotta of ways. Think that whoever wins that gauntlet match um, is gonna they're gonna be wrestling three nights in a row. So they're, oh, yeah. they got the, they got yeah, the battle royal so on the much- first night, yeah, and then the second night they're gonna have the gauntlet, and then on the third night they have to face Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. Yeah, they're going to be rolling into that night too with just a ton of momentum and a ton of fan support because yeah, people. I don't know what it is. Wrestling fans just love seeing somebody go the distance in a gauntlet match. So yeah, man, cool concept, and it's unique. It's a really good way to to get us a compelling matchup with Johnny Gargano without having to put in a, a ton of time and effort to build like a long term story. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Marco? You like the the battle royal gauntlet style to you know determine? I, I like the WWE. I like that they actually make you fight for a championship. <laughs> Instead yeah, of just like, you know, just be like, I, going, just walking I in and be like, I want it. I declare. <laughs> I think that should be the name of this episode. I declare WrestleMania. Actually, that's a, that's a actually a good idea. But uh, <laughs> um, did they have some type of, I'm trying to remember. I feel like last year they had some weird gauntlet match on NXT. Do you remember this at all? It had some weird rules to it. I, I, I don't know why it. It, that's why 2020, 2020 was a long year for me, man. Yeah, um, I, I, as it was for a lot of people, I'm sure. So I, I have to uh, go back and yeah, I have to go back and check. But I'm pretty sure there was something very similar to this on uh, on NXT television. This type of like gauntlet. They had uh, the four man Iron Man match. Oh, Maybe that's yeah. what it was. Was that mm-hmm. it? That yeah, weird, they had like, that whenever uh, whenever Karrion Cross had to. Um, had to forfeit the belt. Remember, it was a four-person Iron Man That's match. That's right. It Wasn't was it all like former former champions? Right. But how did they get into it? No, it was just it was all former champions. So it was all like four former NXT champions. Yeah, there was no qualifiers. The, yeah. William Regal just named them. Yeah. Oh, I thought there was something. All right, maybe there was something else. I will have to go back and research last year. But uh, that's what that reminded me of. They, I mean, they, like you said, they're always great at gauntlet matches. So. Yeah. I have no, it's I have it's no gonna it's gonna be, be a banger. Um, I, I'm not gonna run down the list of the list of names that are in there right now, but check out the graphic that they posted tonight. Um, it's gonna be an incredible match on night two of uh, Stand and Deliver. We got Karrion Cross versus Finn, which is I'm um, gonna be a co-main event. Uh, so. Super excited. We we saw this coming last week whenever, you know, they did the, their tag match and whatnot, but it's official. Karrion Cross versus Finn for night two. Um, it's going to be a killer match. Uh, on it now. We need to see the demon. Well, he, you know, it's funny because he made mention of the demon tonight. Yeah, um, Finn, Finn cut a really cool promo. He said, you know, when you're young, you fight with your emotions um, and those emotions are demons. And I was like, oh. Wait, I'm listening now. Yeah. Like he he dro- he dropped the D word. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, but then he said, you know, when when you mature, you know, you 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 fight. I can't remember what what exactly he said, but he told he basically told Karrion Cross, like, you're still fighting with your emotions, and I'm going to drag you out into the deep cold water, and I'm, and and with no emotion whatsoever, I'm going to drown you. And I was like, oh, 
oh, <laughs> you know, so it was it was a really good promo by Finn. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and make my, you, and you guys got to save your predictions for the week up, but I'm going to tell you, I think Finn's going to be the demon. He's going to beat Karrion Cross, and I think it's going to be Karrion Cross's last match in NXT. No way, dude. You think so? He's ready for the main uh, roster. He's ready. To, he's ready to go feud with Roman Reigns know, or it's, it's, Drew McIntyre. That exact same thing I'm worried about. Like I, I get worried about a guy like Karrion Cross because his his entrance and just like the whole the whole thing with him, I don't feel like it's going to translate. You're Speaking- afraid uh, six months after he debuts, Scarlett's going to be leaving him oh, for Bobby Lashley or something. God. Yeah, that's it. Oh, oh man, that'd be great. That's I can't it. That's that yeah, that's exactly a possibility. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we know Bobby Lashley's got a thing for the blonde. He smooth does, Bobby man, smooth Bobby, Mister Take Your Girl. Bobby. Yeah, uh, but Karrion, can we talk about too? I think he needs a compressed entrance for like just regular matches. I feel like the, the big stand and pray or fall and pray or whatever it is. Like, I feel like I'm like, it's a little stand bit much. Yes. Yeah, stand, stand and deliver. <laughs> I feel, I feel like it's, I feel like it's a little bit much for like just regular weekly, weekly shows. I know we're on the road to WrestleMania here. So maybe he needs to like, you know, make himself feel a little bit more important. But uh, yeah, with Scarlet coming out and doing the whole, the whole production, I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, yeah, we should say that for the big matches. He's an act that, I think in theory, he's not going to be somebody that you see wrestle week in and week out, but they kind of got to, they need to reestablish him since he mm-hmm. was out for so long with that injury. So that's Agreed. probably why we're seeing him more. That's true. All right, moving on. We have a cruiserweight unification title match uh, with Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar. This could be, this is going to be a really freaking good match. Um, I'm yeah, excited. I about loved this. how they did the segment tonight with Shawn Michaels coming out. Obviously the original, you know, it wasn't the first ever ladder match because as any any um, you know knowledgeable Bret Hart fan knows yeah. that the first WWF ladder match was Bret versus Sean on a house show, which can be found on, uh, I forget exactly, there's one of the Coliseum videos that you can find it on now, but um, Sean was in the first televised ladder match with Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 when they needed to unify the two different intercontinental championships. So it's a cool little nod to that with Sean coming out and, uh, you know, handing him the ladder and stuff. And yeah, like, like you said, Sheen, I think this match has got potential to end up stealing the show mm-hmm. for the entire WrestleMania weekend. You know, I think it's, to me, my kind of dark horses for match of the weekend is this one and Ciampa and Walter for yeah. the best match of WrestleMania week. Agree. Um, it's going to be a great match. So um, we got Gargano versus his mystery opponent is going to be on night two. Um, and then uh, the co-main event we saw at the very end of NXT tonight, we had a contract signing between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, really, really intense segment. It's This match is going to be bananas. I can't wait to see it. Um, it's going to be unsanctioned. So, you know, th- they're going to bring the pain. And uh, I- I'm hyped for this. What do you think about this match, Marco? Um, yeah, no, it's going to be great. And, uh, I think they made it unsanctioned cause I think, uh, Adam Cole wants to try to outdo his, uh, his better oh, half. Oh, you are so personally. right. I yeah, didn't even think I, about that. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I think they're going for. They're trying to, uh, they're going, oh, oh, people want to talk about that match. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about this one here. Uh, oh, but yeah, yeah. No, I think, yeah, you're, you're probably going to see some, uh, some, uh, crazy antics on that match just, just cause it's unsanctioned. So. Yeah, that is a unique dynamic with Britt Baker having this incredible unsanctioned match, just you know, right within the mm-hmm. same time frame. But so. yeah, no, yeah, he has to follow up with that too. So like, you got to think like people are going to be thinking of that. I'm, I'm going to be thinking of it. Oh yeah, like, definitely. He, I'm going to be watching that match thinking he has to follow up with that. They're going to be match calling him Mister Mister Britt Baker. You know, pretty much because I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> it's not going to be better, or it might be equal to, but yeah, he has, he has a lot. They have a lot to live up to if they're they're calling it. I think any unsanctioned match now has to match 
that Britt Baker match pretty much. For sure. It'll be interesting. It it's going to be tough to do without blood. And it's been very, very rare that we've actually seen blood in NXT. So I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm skeptical, but it, you know, it's two awesome guys. They could definitely deliver. And Kyle O'Reilly has such a hard hitting style that they should be able to bring it. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. You said that's going to be a co-main event now, Sheena? Yeah. So it's the co-main event with, okay. um, with Kieran and Finn. Yeah, so if they're building as co-main event, it's, they definitely got some big stuff in store. Um, looking forward to it. Marco, early prediction, who do you think is going to win that one? you think Adam Cole is going to take out his old uh, protege, or is Kyle O'Reilly going to be the uh, the undisputed king? Man, I, I see, I, I might, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off of what you said about carrying across, and I think that's going to happen with Adam Cole. So I think actually uh, Kyle O'Reilly will probably win, and Adam yeah. Cole will probably move on to the main roster, I think. I think he proved yeah, when, himself enough. When, uh, when Regal was coming out tonight and talking about the contract and everything, I thought that he was about to say it was a loser leaves NXT match. That's yeah. really what I was expecting. Yeah. So the unsanctioned. Yep. So I thought that could have been a cool stipulation to add, but either way, those guys are going to bring it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our last story from inside the squared circle. We got some hall of fame inductions to discuss. So we'll kick it off with easy E Eric Bischoff, this guy, uh, I really don't think he gets enough credit because he gets lumped in a lot with kind of the death of WCW when, if you really read up on exactly what all was going on back in the late 90s with WCW, Eric Bischoff didn't have a ton to do with the downfall, and he actually was one of the people trying to keep WCW going. If he had his way, WCW never would have went off the airwaves and never would have went out of business was truly revolutionary. He convinced Ted Turner to let WCW go head-to-head with Raw live on Monday nights. And the production value and everything they were doing with Nitro being live every single Monday and as aggressive as they were on talent acquisition, it's what really pushed WWE to kind of revamp their entire operation from head to toe, which led to the Attitude Era, which is, you know, everybody looks back at fondly as the best period of wrestling. Yeah. Um, I really don't think, I, like I said, I'm glad to see him finally win in the Hall of Fame. He's a guy that for a long time I thought did not get his due for how big an impact he's made on the pro wrestling game. Um, Marco, what, what's your thoughts on, on Eric Bischoff finally getting the nod for the Hall of Fame? Um, definitely glad that he's in. Um, and I'm also glad that he's actually in by himself as opposed to being with, because I know when uh, NWO was announced as being, you know, put, put into the Hall of Fame, everyone was like, Oh, where's Eric Bischoff? How come he wasn't a part of that group? Well, I mean, if you think about it now, like in hindsight, it's Eric Bischoff. He should be inducted by himself because he, yeah. in fact, is the creator of the NWO. Uh, yes, he created he that whole storyline. He he got that. Yeah, someone actually had, had another kind of comment back and forth in uh, <laughs> Sheena's post. I think it was like that. I think it was the. Mark goes going at it in the I comment know. section. <laughs> this week. Uh, actually, no, wait. Social, social media. He, it was either yours or something else. Someone posted something there. You know, they're like, they listed all these accomplishments that he, uh, that of Eric Bischoff, but they left out the end of him creating the NWO. Like that wasn't even on the list. And I was like, and that's what I commented. I was like, Oh, he created the NWO. And someone was like, Oh uh, no, he, he got that from Japan. He kind of got that idea. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, he did. He basically, he says it on his show. He, he's obviously he had the relationship with uh, new Japan back in the day. And he, he would, visit there frequently and he would see like, you know, they would use real names uh, for, for a lot of their wrestlers. They would use mm-hmm. real storylines and stuff like that. And that's something that wasn't happening at all. So he pretty much created like the, like the realness to uh, wrestling. And then like, well, on, uh, on the United, on the, the state side anyway, with like using real names and, you know, having Scott Hall just show up, like, 
you you as a wrestling fan, there's I mean there was dirt sheets back then, but no social media. So you're just like, what the hell, Razor Ramon? Why is Razor Ramon on, on WCW right now? So like, just all, all that type of stuff that he that he brought to the table. I think um, I don't think he gets enough credit for. Uh, like you said, I think they kind of lump him in with the with the downfall stuff, but he wasn't even like in charge when that was like happening. Like yeah, 2000s. he wasn't. He was leading. Yeah, he and he had put together a team of private investors that were actually going to buy WCW yeah. from Turner and, yeah. and run it as its own independent thing instead of being part of Turner Broadcasting. Uh, you know, like I said, the guy just—he was a visionary. You know, yeah. he went in with a vision that totally revamped it. Because if you watch, I still love the stuff because I got a soft spot for it just because it was my childhood. And there's some hidden, like really, really good stuff in it. But the early '90s WCW before Bischoff took over, a lot of it was straight up crap. You know, like just from a, a critical standpoint. Yeah. And he took when he took over, just the production values and everything just went through the roof. And it can't be understated. He damn near put the WWF out of yeah, business. Yeah, he had he had the WWF by the throat. You know. Which no yeah, other I mean, which no other promotion had done up until that point. Yeah, they had WWF. Yeah, WWF kicked out it too. But there was there was a points in '96 and '97 where it looked like they may go under uh, because WCW just had so much momentum, you know. And there's a bunch of different reasons for why it ultimately fell apart. I think the biggest thing was just that Vince McMahon was the creative genius that. He started just investing in these guys who were kind of underappreciated and built them up and to end up being the the biggest stars, you know, in the in the history of the game, namely with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to see him go in. Uh, the other two, we'll, we'll go before we go to the uh, the other big one. We'll go to Great Kali. Marco, what were you was your initial reaction when you saw the Great Kali <laughs> was going in the Hall of Fame? I actually, it's gonna sound horrible. Thought it was a thought it was a joke actually at first because uh, like. Cause Shane, uh, Kane got uh, inducted, and then like yep. I seen that one right after. I was like, "There's no way they're they're gonna announce the Great Khali on the same day as Kane," but I was totally wrong. But they kind of like you know use like a, a scapegoat, like oh uh, via WWE India it was announced that, so it wasn't like it was you know they kind of kept it separate in that sense. But um, yeah, I mean, happy for him. I mean, I guess. You know he's he's a Hall of Famer now. What, what more can you say? Yeah, world, India world is the uh, India is the second biggest country in the world, so it's yeah. definitely a good business move. Getting, um, you know, probably I don't know. I guess I think he still probably got Jinder Mahal beat for the most famous Indian wrestler of all oh, time. Yeah, so definitely. I think it's definitely a smart move uh, from business wise putting him in there. To me, I was kind of out of the game when he had his initial monster run um, as a as when he was actually world heavyweight champion. I only saw when he had that brief comeback in 2014, I was around for it and I just couldn't get over how horrible the guy was in the ring. To me, yeah. he's a, a half step better than Giant Gonzalez as far as in ring goes. <laughs> yeah. But he's not nearly the iconic character look that Giant Gonzalez yeah. was. So yeah. I'm not a fan of great Kali, but that said, I am, uh, you know, I'm happy for the guy going to the Hall of Fame. Ultimately, the WWE Hall of Fame is just. It should really be called the Hall of like Noteworthy because if you were any kind of noteworthy name, eventually yeah. you're going to get in. Just look at the people that are in there. You know, there's definitely there's people that were never any kind of champion, were never even never even won most of their matches. Look at like Coco Beware. You know, Coco yeah. Beware's in there. Johnny Rods, some guys who were at best jobbers to the stars. So uh, it's cool that he's in there. Traditionally, how we look at most professional sports Hall of Fames, Great Cully wouldn't be anywhere close. But uh, but yeah, he's in there. And let's move on to the other big one. Kane, the big red machine is finally going in the Hall of Fame. Sheena, uh, what's your thoughts on Kane? 
Oh, I mean, if there's anybody deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, it's definitely Kane. It's it's surprising. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, he's really been active up until, you know, recently. So Yeah, uh, he was in full <laughs> ring gear at Survivor Series this yeah, last year for the true. Undertaker Sindoff, the only one. <laughs> the only one in full ring gear. Um, yeah, he has just played an integral part in WWE for, I mean, God. I don't know what, how long now, freaking 25 years. Like it's just, so really- he came in as Isaac Yankum in 1995. So yeah, he's going on this summer would make 26 years since he's been in the, the WWF yeah. and one for another. He was, he was a dentist. Then he was mm-hmm. fake diesel. Then he was fake he diesel. Finally revealed his true identity as the undertakers, uh, you know, younger brother came. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Did you guys get to see, um, undertaker telling him that, uh, that he was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. It got yeah. me a little, it got me a little bit choked up because he was trying for a moment he was like he said is this for real? Like I think he thought that Undertaker was ribbing him and it was like to me like that was like the sweetest thing. It was like the most vulnerable thing that you've ever seen like Kane say was like are you serious? And then um you know he you could tell he was just like completely choked up. If he would have started talking, he would have like completely broken. But uh it was sweet and I thought them having Undertaker tell him was was awesome and Undertaker did a really good job. But yes, super super worthy um i'm so so happy for him i can't believe they didn't announce him first i feel like they started this whole hall of fame class off kind of like no no shade to molly holly but that was just kind of like a dead they're like we're you know we're gonna start this hall of fame like make it like they used to make it such a big deal you know they would like stop raw in the middle of raw and be like you know we're here's the first entrant into the wwe hall of fame yeah exactly and now it's just like if you're they're gonna do it on the bump they're gonna like you know call you on a three-way call and be like hey guess what you're gonna be in the hall of fame (laughs) um which i feel like is is kind of lame um but how do you guys think they're gonna do it this year with uh with inducting two classes like what's what's gonna be the what's gonna be the deal oh it's gonna be in the thunderdome and i think it's just gonna be um just a briefer version. I think they'll probably give the guys tighter windows on, on their speeches. Um, I think that would be it, you know, just because mm. sometimes I've never been a fan of watching the hall of fame. ceremony. Me either. There's I'll a go couple, back yeah. and I'll go back and watch them on the network afterwards. Cause the little video retrospectives that they do for the guys' careers are always pretty cool to watch, but I've never been one for speeches. You know, in my job, I have to go to a lot of like official ceremonies and listen to people give long speeches. On. And I'm just, I'm not a fan, you know, there's, there's a few good ones, you know, for every, for every like Scott Hall speech that kind of hits you right in the field spot, there's a hillbilly Jim or Mr. T speech that just goes on for like 25 minutes with absolutely nothing. No No point. Yeah. Uh, I hate saying that because I love hillbilly so much, but, but yeah, that's just, yeah, it's true. So I think, you know, there's definitely some room for improvement on the actual Hall of Fame broadcast. Uh, Marco, do you got a favorite Kane memory? Oh boy. Wow. Maybe um, when he hooked up the car battery to Shane McMahon's balls. Oh yeah, that was that was that was a pretty good one. <laughs> when he tried to marry Lita. When he tried to marry Lita. Yeah. Um, Katie Vick. That was yeah. A those are good all one. classics. Yeah. Classic. When he held up when he held up the voice box to his throat and said, "Suck it." Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, when he beat when he beat uh, Stone Cold. Um, for the uh, for the title, it's pretty noble. That was awesome. Yeah, King of the Ring, nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight Kane. Ninety eight Kane is like the most mage, in my opinion. I think yeah. ninety eight Kane is just beyond. First yeah, he's a legend. Match. Yeah, it was a first blood match, right? 
Stone Cold yeah. had to face Kane. I gather yep. it was a mask. Which was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know why Stone Cold <laughs> even agreed to that. How are you going to bust open a guy in a mask? <laughs> yeah. To me, it's still his debut. It's I think be that bad whole, blood, yeah. That storyline that they did um, leading his debut, it was such a slow bird, which is even back in the day when WWF was at its peak with the storytelling, they still were never really great at telling those really, really super long-term storylines. Yeah. But they started it you know, pretty much right after WrestleMania 13. And kept it going all the way until October of that year. And just such an awesome, awesome debut. Like, you're just like, who the hell is this guy? So, I, th- I think it goes all the way back to the debut. But shout out to Kane. Um, mm-hmm. More importantly than the big moments, I want to give a salute to Kane. Just because there was like a five-year stretch there where he re- was wrestling the most matches in the company. Like, he was the dude that every single house show, he was on the card, entertaining the fans, going to all the small towns. Even when he wasn't in the the main events on pay-per-views and stuff, he was showing up at every single house show and putting in a good match um, for the fans. And and that stuff really means a lot to me because I still remember going to house shows as a kid and, and seeing the big stars. R.I.P. So. to the house shows. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, uh, actually, no, was just Not R.I.P. to the house shows. Did you see that? Uh, AEW, they're going to do house shows. Yeah, their first oh. ever non-televised event is coming up. Mm. Yeah, so interesting yeah. combo ticket. Yeah, I, a, I will uh, just never. I will always have a sour spot in my in my heart for Kane though, um, because he was the one who just happened to be on the wrong side of the sunset flip that put Rollins out to pasture for a little while. And no, uh, Rollins, he was yeah. on the wrong side of the sunset. Flip. <laughs> Kane. That's that's very Rollins. true. But listen, yeah. let me it was let me tell you because Kane's known as like the safest guy to work with. It, well, it, was, it, 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 clear, it clearly wasn't Kane. I mean, obviously, no, it, was, it, was, it wasn't Kane's doing. It. But you know, Kane was just so damn humongous. But let me let me give a shout out to Rollins. Even on that busted ass knee after that sunset flip, he still slammed Kane through that table. So yeah. you know, sh- shout out to to Rollins for giving Kane the uh, the slam for busting his knee wide open <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to go figure check out the pyramid wrestling podcast each week we dive deep into all things wrestling action figures from aew unrivaled wwe mattel elite our childhood wwf wcw ecw collections and more you can also find pyramid wrestling on youtube that's pyramid wrestling available everywhere you listen to podcasts here comes the money here we go Go Figures, where we cover the latest and greatest in the world of wrestling figures and talk about what we've each added to our own personal collections. Reminder, this segment is brought to you by our good friends at Ringside Collectibles, the number one worldwide retailer in wrestling figures. Use code Chick Foley to save 10% on all your orders at Ringside. And here we go. All right, before we get into the figure news this week, I do want to announce another way that you can win uh, some figures from being part of the Foley fam. Uh, Phil Dunnett, our buddy in the UK, is going to be teaming up with me, and we're going to start up a predictions league inside the official Chick Foley Show Facebook group, which is Patreon exclusive. So uh, we're still working out the the fine details on it, but we're going to we're planning on starting it up right after WrestleMania, and we're going to have a few different seasons throughout the throughout the year. So that way, people got multiple options to jump in. But at the end of the day, it's going to be just predicting. Each match on all the big shows on the takeovers, your WWE pay-per-views, AEW pay-per-views, 
And then if there's a hyped up like branded episode of Takeover or Dynamite, we'll do predictions on those also. And uh, I think we're still we're, we're still kind of working on what the prizes are going to be, but there's definitely going to be some figure based stuff. So maybe we'll uh, we'll just hook you guys up with a little mini shopping spree at ringside. Um, but stay tuned to the Facebook group for details on that because it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. And if you if you want to be like, I, I'm just going to jump in here really quickly. If you want to be a part of something like this, Seth is like the man. I mean, obviously, I, I love our dude Phil Dunn, and I'm sure he's awesome too. But I know with Seth's hands in this, like it's going to be so epic. If you've ever seen the way Seth runs his fantasy football leagues and anything that he's involved with like this like it's it's going to be a lot of fun and there's going to be like details galore yeah so for all the uh, the premium foley fan members stay tuned premium foley fan members easy for me to say stay tuned it's going to be a lot of fun and now marco take us away with figure news all righty so we have some big news for uh for the legend of uh, lucha uh, lucha bros and the legends of lucha libre line uh they're actually on rsc right now you can actually purchase them um, and obviously you're going to use code Chick Foley for 10% off when you do purchase these. Um, but there's also new, some news from uh, Mass Republic. Um, they are shipping the pre-orders out very soon. Um, so they actually had like a picture of uh, uh, like the truck with all the boxes of shipments and stuff like that. So I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they're going to be hitting doorsteps soon. So if you uh, ordered them way back in the day, they're coming they're on their doorstep, way, which, which is me. Yeah. I, I'm one of the uh, one of the early adopters, so can't wait to get those in hand. And, um, early, early, <laughs> early, Pre-pa- early adopters, pre-pandemic adopters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to get these in hand, and uh, even more excited that they're on uh, ringside. Yeah, uh, that shows like there's like they like, pretty good partnership there. So For I sure. mean, I mean, jumping into the next story with the uh, the um, the uh, Legends of Lucha Fanaticos Wave Two. Uh, maybe they might show up on ringside now that there's kind of like a like a semi partnership that's going on there. So I'd be that'd be pretty cool. Get more get more hands on these figures and stuff like that. What do you guys? Yeah, say? ringside kept that under wraps too. So you know, ringside, you guys could have given us a heads up because that had not right? even announced that they were going to be available. <laughs> so. No, and we've been we've been in close contact with you know Mass Republic and you know Boss Fight and everybody, and like they were just like, yeah, just if if just if we happen to have some extras, you know, be on the lookout and stay tuned to our account because we're gonna we'll post them up for sale. And then all of a sudden, it was like available at ringside collectibles. We're like, oh damn. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that. The response that that Sheena got off the uh, the YouTube video and the IG post that she did um, was so overwhelming that Ringside reached out to Mass Republic and was like, "Hey, you know what? We need to buy up that extra stock you guys were talking about." I, from aw, thank the you, thank yeah. you for yeah. making me feel so important, Seth. Yeah, you're, you're the best, a, a true a true influencer. That that in my in my cave, you know, I'm the king of kayfabe. So in kayfabe, that's what I'm saying happened with aw. these, uh, <laughs> these right. figures popping up on Ringside out of nowhere this week. That's my storyline, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, that too. And uh, yeah, I actually um, did that same post on Twitter as well. And it was pretty, pretty insane. Like the, just the reveals of those figures and stuff like that. Like the, they're beautiful like, figures, man. Yeah, the, if you the packaging, yeah. everything. If you um, haven't checked yeah, it out yet, I, we do have it. We do have a YouTube where we've given like detailed look at the boxes and the uh, accessory sets and all those things. So definitely check that out. Compare them with the Jazz Wears mm-hmm. and compare them with some elites and stuff. So I know the price point's a little high on these, but, you know, obviously, Times are hard, but we did just get those stimmy checks from from Uncle Joe. So if you could spare it, I just I tell you guys supporting these companies um, that 
or making figures outside of the mainstream, it's going to help all of us as figure collectors. Yeah. You know, these guys, um, Zombie Sailor Toys, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, Chella, the stuff they're doing, the more figures, the better. And these small companies, they got to they gotta ask a little bit higher price just to turn a profit. You know, it's just the way yeah. of the world. You're not going to be selling 10,000 units on each figure like like Mattel or even a Jazzwares does. So, well, and ringside, so ringside's, ringside's, accounting for, ringside's accounting for inflation since 2019, too. So, you know, these these uh, figures have inflated inflated in value. So, yeah. So yeah. Uh, check them out. And also the accessory packs, too. Don't sleep on those. There's some really, really oh, cool stuff in yes. the accessory packs also. So yes. if you get it, go ahead and get all four because you're going to end up regretting it. You know, the, the figures are beautiful. That I really can't say enough. The torn mask Penta head sculpt is just crazy. You need Ridiculous. to have that figure in your collection. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely did the uh, the two accessory sets as well because, like you said, FOMO definitely. If you don't get those, um, if you got this the next, uh, the this thing next story well. is going to hurt Seth's feelings. Um, the the Legends of Lucha Libre line is that what you're? No, the uh, oh. the Darby <laughs> Allen. <laughs> yeah, the, we're still going to talk about the uh, the next the next set of Fanaticos. Yeah, let's mm. let's do that, and then we'll let's give Seth some time before we. Bobby, I this, totally uh, skipped over that. My my yeah. fault. My fault. Let's 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 give him some uh, let's give him some uh, space to, you know. I was looking through the line. Going. I was like, I don't got beef with Vampiro or <laughs> Dragon. You know, Bio's no longer with us. You know, I was trying to figure out where Sheena was going with that one. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So just just to quickly go through this, so. Uh, they had the uh, Expo Lucha Virtual um, titled For the Love of Lucha. So basically they did a virtual like expo to um, to reveal these oh, figures. Is that what like that, that means? Pretty cool. yes. yes. Thanks for translating, just, Marco. Just, 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 you know, <laughs> um, just so uh, if anybody just case, else has any Spanish to English translations, they need hit up Marco and he'll dude, uh, if, exactly. If they would have had you in WWE, Andrade would still be there. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Que hora es. Um, <laughs> Don't de esta la biblioteca. Um, but yeah, so yeah, they so they uh announced that the you know the wave two of the Lucha Fanaticos is gonna be I think we talked about this before, Vampiro, uh Ultimo mm-hmm. Dragon, yep. um uh Pero Aguayo and uh Taurus. But they actually yeah, had sketches sweet. of these, like so you can actually see the sketches of them because they didn't they just announced them the last time. They didn't have any like visual proof of what they're gonna look like and stuff like that, so yeah, they look they pretty look sick. cool. We definitely need uh we definitely need the actual collector's editions of these though. You know, oh, yeah. I'm definitely gonna be getting all four of these because none of these guys exist in my figure collection right now. Uh for those that don't know, the Fanaticos is basically their equivalent of basics, which they do look pretty good. Like I got I already got series one Fanaticos on pre order as well from uh from Boss Fight Studios. But uh but yeah, Vampiro and Ultimo Dragon especially. You know, Paraguayo and Taurus, I'm cool with just having, you know, basics of those, but I, I need Ultimo Dragon and Vampiro in Elite style. So hopefully those are those are following up shortly. And I'm sure they are. But again, support this line. It's it looks awesome. There's a ton of TLC going into these figures. Master Public is committed to giving us the best Lucha Libre figures we've ever had before. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And uh for those that don't know, Fanaticos is fans. As well, so oh. just, just See, no, that's a good one, dude. I did not know that. I thought it, I, in my mind, I was thinking like fantastic for whatever fanda- reason. Okay, <laughs> that's fantastico. <laughs> that's fantastico. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll let's jump into this. Uh, all right, Seth, so how you pre- feeling? Prepare, yeah. prepare your heart. Yeah, so a Darby Allen Chase was found at a Walmart in Massachusetts. So um, they're out there. Where I, were you, Marco? I, Where were you? Um. Nowhere near a Walmart. None of my Walmarts had that because my Walmarts have been <laughs> bone dry with uh, no figures whatsoever. 
Um, Same. Just, just, Our, the, yeah. We had a Walmart that's literally like less than five minutes from our house. So I should be checking it like every morning on my way to work and every afternoon on the way home. But should. it's been bone dry, like absolutely nothing mm, on the pegs nothing. for so long that I just can't even justify wasting the time. So and I'm still say, holding out hope that Ringside throws it up for sale. Did it say where in Massachusetts or just in? There was. If you go on the WrestleFigs forums, it wasn't anywhere I'd heard of. So I didn't I didn't commit it to memory. I just saw Massachusetts and Walmart. So I'm assuming they'll be hitting Target also. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, it looks like it's going to be similar to Series 1 and Series 2, that it's kind of the second wave of shipments that the chases get put into. I think that's definitely the pattern that's been established now. So chases aren't going to come in those first batches that you get from ringside or the first couple, you know, the first time they're spotted in stores. It's going to be that second wave. Uh, people are still finding MJF on the pegs. I know somebody in our Foley fam group actually found a chase MJF yep. this week on the pegs. So there's there's still hope, especially the fact that only one Darby's been found so far. But he's definitely the best chase figure that's come out so far. I know the hunt's going to be crazy. So I'm just hoping I get lucky. You know, if somebody if somebody happens to find one and they're a big fan of the uh, the Chick Foley show, uh, hit hit us up because you will forever be. <laughs> uh, you know, you'll forever be a, a super duper premium Foley fan member if uh, if yeah. you can hook us up with that. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect anybody to give that figure up if yeah. they found it. It's so freaking cool. I'm trying to find where that where that was because I want to know what. Because if it, it was anyone near me, I'm going to be so, so mad. Yeah, it'll be like your your local your local Walmart. I'd be so tell mad us about uh tell us about the running ch- the running change coming on on Sammy Guevara, and I'll uh I'll look up some uh I'll do some quick research on the spot on that chase. Yeah, uh, awesome. So Darby. Um, so yeah, so they're doing a running change on the uh, Darby out of uh, Darby. See, that was stuck in my head. I'd be so mad if that it was a little yeah. cool. Uh, uh, the Sammy Guevara, um, the signs that is it the that signs? Are, yeah, yeah, the sign that's coming with them. They're gonna say different things apparently. Uh, it's yeah. not going to well, say as, like, as they should. Yeah. It shouldn't just yeah. say like, what would it say? Hit me up. Right. Was the sign well, that he had. Yeah. Was... I mean, it, they could, I think that's going to stay with it, but they're going to like, they're going to change it up. So it's like each figure has like a different sign to it. It'll say well, something I, different. No, I think, yeah, cool. well, it comes with a group of signs. That's the yes. thing. So the same Gravara, like I got, I got like four or five signs with the actual figure. So I think each sign is going to say something yeah. different, Instead you know, because yeah, all of mine said hit me up. Oh real? Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, so all, like my, a, all the yeah, all the signs. It was it was an error when they when they printed it. So all the signs in my grouping said hit me up when they all should have had different things on them. Which um, you know we talked about before. Like you could just like flip them over and write your own thing on there. But yeah, they yeah um, actually that'd be pretty cool if they had a way to come come with like a little mini dry erase marker or something. Yeah. Ah, yeah. See, so I yeah, they're gonna a... ru- they're gonna do a running change. No, because like they had, like I said, they have multiple, so it's they're all supposed to be different sayings. So that's what they're gonna do. Which I'm curious because I was like, well, what are they all supposed to say? Because I remember when he was working that gimmick, but I don't remember exactly what all of his what all of his signs said. I remember there was like you know things when there didn't he do something about his twitch or something one time like you know find me on twitch. Yeah, and he always um, twitch on his yeah because that was during yeah. the time where. The WWE, WWE was cracking was, down on the the yeah. Twitch. So they did that third party. Yeah, that. He, hey, Marco. So that. Marco Weymouth, Massachusetts. W e y m o u t h. The Walmart in oh, Weymouth. So how far away is that from you? Have you even bit. heard of that place? Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, no, I've, I've been through there. That's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess it's like around like 30, 30 to forty minutes away from me. Mm. So that that's definitely way out of my way. I was. Definitely not going to travel that far. 30 or 40 minutes is out of your way for a freaking Chase Darby Allen. Marco, yeah, you're about mean, to get your collector card pulled, dude. I know. We, used to, we, used to, we used to travel 30 minutes across the island just to go to just a... To like, just to fig hunt. Yeah, just yeah. to fig hunt. Just to look. 
Yeah. So I haven't even checked like uh like Brickseek or anything like that because I'm not even sure if it's updated yet or what's going on with it. So I haven't been checking. I've just been like randomly showing up sometimes. And uh yeah, I haven't seen anything. But yeah, Weymouth is pretty pretty deep. So yeah, I mean glad they found yeah, it. Someone it's Weymouth, it's, Walmart. It's in someone's hands, which is that's all we can. Yeah. Happy for you those know, guys. Yeah. Happy home, you know. Darby's gonna be safe and safe and snuggled in, you know. Next to a Gronk home, figure. So. Yeah, next to a Gronk figure, probably. Um, yeah, or Tom Brady jersey as well. So he'd be wrapped <laughs> up in it. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about this Dino Bravo because it looks awesome. I think it looks great. Incredible, Dino yeah. Bravo's first ever figure, and it looks like they nailed it. It's going to fit in perfectly with your your Hasbro collection. You know, Series One was really based on 1989 WWF, so it's going to be perfect right next to Earthquake. Um, I cannot wait to get this figure. I, I, it may be my favorite of all the zombie so, the zombie sailor reveals so far. Yeah, yeah. definitely. They yeah, captured yeah. the likeness for sure. Yeah, the details. Yeah, the details amazing so far on all these figures that he, that he's posted. Especially the Sabu, mm-hmm. I think we, we talked about this last week with like the scars and all that stuff. Like, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna Nippies. definitely gonna be yeah they're gonna be Hasbro, but like like current like if yeah. Hasbro were made today, what they would look like with the new tech with the technology, um, and the sculpting and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't wait, wait to see what these look like. Marco, what did you add to your collection this week? I uh, added nothing actually. That was pretty pretty bone dry around these parts. Minimalist uh, march over here. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been light for us also. You know, last week we just added Papa Shango, and this week it was just one lone pop. Um, Sheena, tell them about the 7-Eleven exclusive Steve Austin pop you're holding in your hands right there now. There we go. Yeah, so we got the 7-Eleven exclusive. We hit a couple 7-Elevens around our house. Um, they didn't even have, like, our, our the 7-Elevens that we were hitting didn't even have, like, a little section for toys. You know, some of them are bigger, and they have, like, you know, a little aisle where you can find toys and stuff. But, yeah, ours were And just- I saw a picture today um, where it was basically, like, a shipper. It was, like, a Funko shipper, and there was probably, like, 40 Steve Austins in there. But our I buddy know. Mike Rivera from the Facebook group, he tracked down a couple of them for us. So, really, really cool nice. pops. You know, what's your thoughts on it? Oh, I love it. I think it's amazing. You know, we got ring gear Steve Austin already um, in pop form. So I love this with the, with the two belts. And this is one like so the, there's the one that comes in the standard line um, where he's just got the the vest and the the single title. And then this one comes with dual titles. So, um, yeah, I think it's based off because there were two times where Steve Austin was world champion tag team champ. He did it once with. Triple H right after WrestleMania 17, but I think this one is based off of 1998 when him and The Undertaker were the tag team champs for a little bit before their match at uh, at SummerSlam. But yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. Stoked to add to the collection. Um, so yeah, thanks thanks for the hookup. Um, oh my gosh, who sent this to us? I'm like blanking. Mike Rivera. Right. Mike. I just Mike said Re- it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't, you did. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you. You're the best. All right, Marco, we got anything else to discuss for a go figure? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much that's it. it, dude. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our keeping it tranquilo. Hey, everyone, it's Nick, better known as Extra Cooler. Is there anything better than diving back into the wrestling archives and watching classic matches from the past? Yes, there is. It's doing that with your buddies while cracking jokes and enjoying some ice cold beverages. If that sounds like fun to you, then be sure to check out my new podcast, The Extra Cooler Show, where each episode, my Survivor Series team and I review an old school match chosen by you, the listeners. The Extra Cooler Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and follow us for new episodes every other Thursday morning. El 
ídolo. Keeping It Tranquilo is where we give you some entertainment recommendations for something outside of the ring and sometimes completely outside of the world of professional wrestling. This segment is brought to you by Verb Energy because sometimes keeping it tranquilo can be exhausting. Verb is your delicious 90-calorie snack bar to help you get through your favorite binge-watching sesh. Hit the link in our show notes to save some money and get your Verb starter pack for only $12. Now, let's get tranquilo. All right, again, you guys heard Sheena mention it. Remember, you can check your show notes for links to any of our partners as well as a link to the uh, Random Merch of the Week um, for the show. So keeping it tranquilo, this is a little bit of a rebranding. I think it's the first time we've done this on the Chick-fil-A show. Have we ever just renamed a segment? I think all we've done is introduce new segments. Yeah. Yeah, so this used to be called Quarantine and Chill, but number one, um, the pandemic's just not really fun to talk about. And quarantine, obviously, that's a word that has you know really so, was not so even in the national yeah so 2020 so, it wasn't even so in the national lexicon <laughs> until yeah. the uh, <laughs> it wasn't even in the national lexicon of you know vocabulary until until this you know stupid pandemic came about um, Gen Z just calls it core <laughs> yeah so Q core Q <laughs> either way um, eventually you know hopefully I think quarantine is going to end but we did want to keep this segment because we love giving you guys some suggestions for entertainment options that are kind of just outside the the normal squared circle action that we get so we're going to start calling this keeping it tranquilo and now it's also kind of just a a little bit of a tribute to andrade you know our fallen hero who is no longer you know no longer in wwe with us so we're going to keep the music it's definitely gonna be hitting a little bit different now that we're never going to hear it again on uh we renamed this before there was any uh any whisperings of andrade leaving the company so uh, yeah we actually came up with this a couple weeks back when we decided to ditch the quarantine name but either way it's still gonna be the same segment where we give you guys a recommendation for something to watch outside of the normal um in-ring action so marco we'll kick it off with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's our music now, so we own it. WWE. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I picked this one because it's kind of like a, a quick movie to watch on Netflix. Um, I'm not sure if you guys heard heard of this movie. It's called The Room. I have Missy. not. It stars uh, David Spade. Um, Roman Reigns makes an appearance in it. He's actually he does like a cameo oh, nice. in it, which is pretty cool. He's at the beginning of the movie, uh, but it's basically about uh, this dude goes on a Blind date, uh, horrible blind date. It's going name uh, Missy. Um, he obviously ends up ditching her. He's like, yeah, I'm not talking to her ever again. She's crazy. Meets another girl with the same name. Um, ends up inviting, uh, you know, the girl that he wants to invite to this like vacation or whatever. But he ends up texting the wrong Missy. That hence the wrong Missy name. Oh. And then the the hijinks. Uh, so we got we got a little ensued. love triangle situation here. Yeah. So uh, it's it's pretty funny. Like. It, uh, me and my wife are just like flipping around through Netflix and kind of want to watch like some type of comedy, something funny. Because Netflix- you were trying to keep from like you know just like putting on those old comforting episodes of The Office once yeah. for the bajillionth time. So you're like, yeah, let's that- just play a little Russian roulette here on the Netflix machine and exactly. uh, and find that- something to watch. That and you have to kind of like uh, swim through all the different. There's so many different documentaries on Netflix now that are kind of oh, like- yeah. Debbie Downer, so I didn't want to yeah. sit, watch any of those. I so, know, uh, yeah. I was so yeah. I was feeling that the other day. I was like, oh my god, how many true crime podcasts do I listen to? No wonder, like I'm like feeling kind of down. Like I need something to like change it up, you know? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So it, it was a pretty fun watch. I, 
it's nothing like kind of brainless comedy. Nothing, nothing too intricate. You don't have to think about it. Just so, so it if you need, on, if you need it, a brain learn. palate cleanser from all the yeah. ridiculousness of the world and all the uh, the down news, then yeah, uh, yeah watch, watch David the wrong, Watch the wrong Missy. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sheen, you're up next. Okay, so speaking of, because I told you, like, I listen to a bajillion true crime podcasts, and sometimes it gets a little bit dark and a little bit bleak. Uh, I need something to just kind of, again, be a palate cleanser. And what better way to cleanse your palate than with the Recipe Club? This is a Ringer podcast. I... If you if you don't if you're not familiar with the Ringer, um, everything they put out is just incredible content. The people who are a part of their Ringer team, they're super passionate about all of the things that they talk about. So you'll you'll always be entertained. Um, but this is like a, a freaking combination of two of my favorite things, which is the Ringer and Dave Chang. I love Dave Chang. Um, you know he's a you know world renowned restaurateur. Chef. Ugly Delicious has been a tr- uh, keeping it tranquilo recommendation before. Yes, but yep. yep, I I recommended Ugly Delicious because yeah, it's his show on Netflix that he has. He has breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Netflix. Um, just an all around awesome, awesome dude. Um, he has his own show. I think what's his show called? The Dave Chang Show. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, it's just the the, it's just called the Dave Chang Show. But he's also doing this um, collaboration with the Ringer called the Recipe Club, and it's where him. And a few other, like, you know, names like culinary experts, they will prepare and eat and judge three different recipes of the same dish. So, for instance, like the, if the topic is brownies, they will all pick a recipe off of the Internet to make brownies and they all make it and judge it and like talk about it and those sort of things. Um and it's just really, really entertaining because these guys who are like super high end chefs, sometimes like they make things like that are so just pedestrian and like, you know, that's so familiar to us, like brownies. And they like it to hear them talk about it is just so funny. Um, yeah, so, the episode we listened to the other day was Bisquick, you know, so Bisquick, they were all three making yes. recipes of something using Bisquick. Yes. And you can find, so if you go, what's really cool is so in their show notes. So if you go to their show notes or go to their blog where they post all their uh, episodes and stuff, you can see they'll, they post all the recipes that they use so as they're talking about it if you want to try to make the recipe or if it's really good and they talk about it you can make it or if it's a really crappy recipe you'll know which one not to make um but yeah they did bisquick there's like a casseroles episode i mean they like eggplant so they just like i said pick just like a random topic um and it's it's awesome so it's called the recipe club and you can find it everywhere that you find podcasts all right, so Marco gave you guys something to watch sheena gave you guys something to listen to i'm gonna give you guys something to play Retro Mania Wrestling by Retrosoft Studios is finally released on Xbox. It should be releasing on PlayStation sometime within the next week. It released on PC a couple weeks back. But this game, I'm sure you guys have seen it on social media over the last couple years. It's the true sequel to WrestleFest, the legendary WWF arcade game from the early 90s. Um, if it's not, I think they got, I think the guys got a handle on the original code from that game because it feels exactly like WrestleFest. If they didn't, they did some miracle work just perfecting the feel, but, um, it's a ton of fun. It's got the same graphic style, except it's updated with all the modern technology. So the game looks beautiful. It's got a really sweet roster. Uh, you know, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers are on there. It's got the blue meanie, uh, Stevie Richards, our buddy from DDP yoga. He's on there. Um, Nick Aldis is on there. Just a ton of legends and um, indie stars 
from current day or, or on the roster. It looks just like WrestleFest. There's all kinds of different arenas, and it's even got some cool story modes where you actually go after the NWA championship. So it's only 25 bucks, so it's not going to be the full like 60 or $70 game that you're buying. It's just a cheap, uh, you know, or I wouldn't say cheap, but it's a more economical game. Um, it's a ton of fun, and for anybody that was a fan of WrestleFest, you got to get this because it's going to be a trip down memory lane. And more importantly than that, it's just a lot of fun to play. So... So check out uh, Retro Mania Wrestling on uh, on Steam and Xbox Live right now, and it'll be on PlayStation here shortly. Drop by and visit the Turnbuckle Tavern, where every Thursday we give you the most in-depth analysis of all things AEW, as well as dive into Impact Wrestling, NWA, and all things indie. If you like heated debates, compelling interviews, and a shot of nostalgia, you'll love the Turnbuckle Tavern. Available on Apple and Spotify. Drink it in. It always goes down smooth. Random Merch of the Week is where we scour the deep recesses of the internet to track down hard-to-find and never-before-seen wrestling merchandise and share it with you, the Foley fam. You can find links to purchase our rare finds in the show notes of every episode. This segment is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Tees. Visit the official Chick Foley Show store by searching Chick Foley at ProWrestlingTees.com or hitting the link in our show notes. All right, so we're going to stick with the wrestling gaming world. You know, I think we're going to piss off our friends over at GameWorks Podcast this time. You know, hopefully they don't get us for uh, <laughs> check out their show because they, go, they go deep on yeah, they go deep on wrestling video games every single week, and they're awesome. But uh, I stumbled across this listing for seven original NES um, games, all wrestling related. This it's an eBay auction. It's currently five days and twenty hours left to go. It's pretty much six days left, and it's sitting at ten bucks. So. Um, you got some awesome, awesome games here. So first off, we'll go with the mainstream. You got WWF WrestleMania. That's the uh, the OG WWF video game with Hulk Hogan on the cover, tearing off the the uh, tank top by acclaim. Then you got WrestleMania Challenge, which here's a blast from the past. This one was by LJN when they uh, you know they yeah. got out of the the figure game and started making um, video games. So they actually had some banger video games back in the NES, Super Nintendo, and uh, Sega Genesis days. So you got LJN's WrestleMania Challenge, which was the sequel. And then you got the last WWF NES game, Steel Cage Challenge. This one's got Brett, The Undertaker, Macho Man, and the Mountie on the cover, along with Hulk Hogan. So it's legit like one of those, um, you know, one of these things is not like the other uh, <laughs> cover art. Somehow the Mountie's on there. So that's your three WWF games, which I think are are worth the price of admission to begin with. But then you have Pro Wrestling for Nintendo Entertainment System. This was like the uh, OG OG wrestling game. I think Starman was the uh, kind of the best on character on there. Yeah. Um, this is a game that I can't believe I didn't own as a kid because I, I had a shitload of NES games. So it's Tag Team Muscle, which you remember, you guys remember the muscles, the little, um, the tiny little like one inch tall figures. They were yeah. just mm-hmm. like, Hunks of plastic. WWF actually had, or WWE actually had some muscle figures a couple years ago. I didn't know that this game even existed until you know I was today years old when I found out this was a thing. So, <laughs> shout out to my parents for letting me know about that. Um, you got Tecmo World Wrestling. Obviously, Tecmo had all kinds of good games. You know, they had Tecmo Baseball, Tecmo the legendary Tecmo Bowl, 
Um, it was their wrestling game. I actually think I remember playing this one. I don't know if it was the NES game I'm remembering or the Super Nintendo version, but I know Tecmo Wrestling was pretty much like the best playing wrestling game um, from during that time period. It, obviously, it didn't have it was unlicensed, so it didn't have any of the WWF or WCW NWA characters. But I remember that game being really, really fun. And then there's another Japanese game. This is by Data East, and it's just called tag team wrestling so and the other cool thing about this one is that um it was owned by nevea and you know that because it's got her name written in sharpie on the yeah. uh, the actual <laughs> cartridge so um you know you get a nevea autograph for free that, on that that was so. a, that was a boss move back in the day you don't you want to put your name on your cartridge like you know yeah. don't don't you ain't stealing this dog <laughs> yeah i don't uh i don't know how up you guys are on it you guys know there's like a hardcore collectors um you know a collecting game for like nes games if they're like it's still in the box and stuff obviously oh, these really? are just loose cart yeah these are just loose cartridges so you can oh, get yeah. them really cheap yeah it's funny how much the uh you know how like, you know, between like MOC and loose figures, like obviously figures are worth a lot less if they're loose, but they still hold a lot of their value, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'd say maybe like, you know, 60 to 70% of their value, they still hold loose. NES games, it's like all or nothing. Like if you got it, it you know, in the box is really good, but you really want it in the box sealed up in the plastic, they'll go for, you know, eight, nine, uh, eight, nine hundred thousand bucks, depending on what the game is. Damn. But if it's loose, it's like you said, you know, you got seven games here sitting on 10 bucks. So, if you still have a working NES, um, which we do, th- yeah, which we do, I think these would be awesome to add to kind of go down memory lane. Um, if you just have a random wrestling merch collection, they, these would still be some cool pieces to have as like a display or, or mm-hmm. conversation piece, you know. Um, so check it out again. It's super cheap. If anybody from the Foley fam ends up trying to get in on this auction, let us know how you do. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on it uh, to see what the final value is. Marco, you got any favorite uh, WWE WWF games from back in the the eight and sixteen bit days? Oh my god, probably what you just actually showed there the w- the WrestleMania game. I remember the most out of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I owned all of them, but yeah, definitely the first one was my probably my go to and. Um, yeah, no, it's actually I'm just looking at it now. I'm like, it's only ten bucks for all of these. I have a feeling they're gonna like, they're gonna, it's gonna skyrocket at some point. But um, <laughs> but if, if you think it's seven if, games, man, I think that muscle game is really rare. Like I said, I was into muscles and I was in the NES, and I didn't even know that existed. So that's got to that. I don't think that one was you know very widely distributed. So I think that's gonna end up being the most valuable cartridge out of that set. Oh yeah, pro wrestling was probably like my favorite one out of all those games for some reason. But um. Yeah, well, that was the OG. That was the original, man. Yeah, that was the uh, that was it right there. You know, I'm just looking at these now. I'm like, oh man, I wish I had a wish I had an NES. I would definitely jump in on this. <laughs> get one. It's, right it now. was so fun. We have a we have a Super Nintendo and a Nintendo, uh, and it was so, you know Seth and I used to go back and just like play games on it, and it just it really still like holds the like the nostalgia. It just oh, so cool. It's the best feeling. So, you know, we were talking about the the value of these things um, with the box and stuff. So so that muscle cartridge I talked about, muscle tag team match, um, just loose by itself. It's selling for like 20 bucks on eBay right now with the box and the instruction manual. This isn't even sealed up. It's been opened and it's got a little bit of life on it. But there's currently a listing for muscle tag team match with the the you get the cartridge, the instruction manual, and the box. It's currently at five hundred bucks or best offer. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, wow. I, remember, I had uh, no idea. Yeah, AJ Styles has a crazy uh, video game collection. I'm not sure if you ever seen. Yeah, he's got like an arcade in his house. Yeah, well, yeah, he has like cartridges. He has consoles. He like collects. He collects all this stuff. 
So I'm about yeah. to blow you guys' mind. All right. Um, so you know, I talked about how the the difference on price. So that that five hundred dollar listing that was loose with a little bit of life on it on January 18th. This is a sold listing. Keep in mind, okay? This is a sold listing, sealed up in the plastic. Tag team match muscle sold for nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars on eBay. Jeez. Wow. Man. Yeah. So. If you we, need, a, if we need you to start copy, hitting the just, comic shops, dude. We need to start like going and finding all these old media. You got to find them sealed up. That's the thing. And I mean, some of these games, I feel like it's, I mean, there's got to be like less than 20 sealed up copies of Tag Team Match Muscle left. Because again, as much as I was in these things, I didn't even know this game existed until this week when I stumbled across that listing, you know? So this is an extremely rare game. Um, yeah. If you guys have, if you guys played this as a kid, hit us up, you know, drop us a line, whether on Facebook or on IG or, or in the email, let us know how this game was because yeah, again, I'm kind of mad at my parents for never even finding out about we this. Need and add, let me know we need to ask our friends over at Game Marks and see what they know about yeah. it. Definitely worth some money though. If you got this thing sitting around the attic somewhere, uh, Sheena, let's hit some listener mail. This week's listener mail comes in from our buddy Ryan Belisle. He says, six wrestling figures that you would put into the museum to represent wrestling figures for all time. Doesn't matter the company or the period. So I'm going to let you guys kind of bounce this back and forth. Um, what what wrestling figures would you put in? I mean, I think uh, both. I think all three of us can agree that the Hulk Hogan LJN has to go in as one, correct? Yeah, that's got to be one. For Hasbro's, I'll go with Hasbro Macho Man, the first one in the ring gear, not the one in the jacket or the Macho King. Okay. I'll, ta- I'll take Hasbro. Yeah, that'll be my Hasbro. Marco, you, you you grab one. Let's say could be anything, right? Any any line, anything. yeah. Any any. It's just six wrestling figures to put in a museum. Like if you're putting them in a time capsule for somebody to find, to like go back and be like, okay, this is what wrestling figures were. You know, hmm. Kid, kids from the future. Just because we get so since you guys went Hasbro, we'll have to go Jax, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, damn, Jax had so many awesome figures though. Uh that's pretty pretty hard. Just uh, pick a favorite, honestly. Like I feel like anybody could. I feel like it's just like a personal preference, right? Like it, I think you just need six different lines of figures. It doesn't really have to be like particular characters, in my opinion. I think you know. Clearly, True. it just needs to be like uh, six six of the most important wrestling lines, and then clearly, like some maybe some sort of important moment in wrestling history. Yeah, I'd probably probably have to go with uh, definitely one of the Roddy Pipers for Jax. But I'm not sure which one I would put because they're all pretty. Pretty you could awesome. go with the uh, the WrestleMania six where he was half black and half white because yeah. Peacock has now erased that match from wrestling history. That if you guys did hear that match oh, is not really? included. Yeah, they yeah they, they edited. That's why WrestleMania six was the last WrestleMania to go on Peacock oh. because they edited that match. Well, yeah, so they're doing that. They're doing that with a lot of stuff uh, coming from. WWE Network to Peacock. Dude, so I didn't gonna... even think, I did not even think about like all the, I mean, c- clear when it's, it's controversial, like, you know, we know that there's some, you know, things in WWE that are controversial, but when they're, when they're within the confines of only WWE, like, I feel like it's like an audience of people that kind of like know those things. And yeah, they, uh, like, get it. Know, I don't yeah. want to say accept. Pe- Peacock is, uh, yeah. they're, yeah, they're editing yeah. stuff. So they add, you're going to be able to watch the entire attitude era in like 22 minutes. Oh yeah, oh, definitely. Oh my yeah. gosh, this is horrible news. I didn't even think about <laughs> this. This is awful. That's... All right, so so Sheen, give us some Mattel. So so far we got LJN, Hulk Hogan, we got Hasbro Macho Man, 
Jack's classic superstars, Roddy Piper. Sheena, hit us with the first Mattel. Well, you know, the, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to go with defining moments, Brett, um, for yeah. for the Mattel figure. Uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful figure. figure, personal favorite of mine. Um, we got to have a Brett in the top six of wrestling figures to to represent. So yeah, defining moments, okay. Brett. I'll show some love to uh, to WCW and go with the Galoob Sting figure with the, the blue trunks and the black and pink face paint. I still think that's the best version of Sting in figure form that we've ever okay. gotten. So that's my pick. Uh, Marco, give us an AEW figure. Yeah, to close we definitely it out. need, we definitely need an AEW figure because that was one of the most, like that was one of the biggest turning points in wrestling history and, you know, Eden. in our lifetime. So we need to uh, show them. I think you have love. to go with, they have to go with one of the many, Cody figures. No, why did you ask Marco? Why did you ask Marco for the AEW figure? <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna actually gonna go with the uh, with the with the Orange Cassidy figure because of the the hands in the pockets, the innovation. Yeah, the innovation nice. that uh, that it holds there too. And I mean, he's just a cool figure, but. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely wasn't gonna go with the there's Cody. Not a, there's not a wrong answer for the AEW. I mean, you could Mox or Kenny or any Hangman, or all the Cody's, or one of all the Cody's. True, very true. So yeah, that was a good question. Thank you, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, I'd be excited to open that time capsule. Um, so. Let's see here. Uh, Darius Johnson. If you guys know Darius, he is like the king of the FBI. He's the the king of the yes. fig budget institution. Um, and it's like he's, the salary cap for yeah, figure collecting. It's a, it, it is. He, he says a salary cap. He started this like he was talking about it in December. And uh, he, he so far, he has been tried and true to his fig budget. So Darius Johnson says, if you set a fig budget of $2,000 for a year, what figures would you focus on? So what would you what would you hone in on to really capitalize on your your figure budget? Seth, I'll start Dang. with you first. I would go so it's kind of hard to cage it in with so many lines that we have going right now. So I'm gonna stick strictly with Mattel and I would buy just the flashbacks. I would focus on the flashbacks and the the legends figures, basically anybody that's not a current star. Because mm-hmm. you know those figures are gonna True. have staying power. You know, yeah. if they make a figure of a legend, you know that's something that's gonna be cool in your collection um five or ten years from now, where there's some guys that are modern era guys that may make they might make for a cool figure just in a one off in an elite series. Um, but you know, a couple years later, you're going to have a hard time even remember who the guy is. So I, I would say I would focus strictly on legends and flashbacks. That would be my strategy. What about you, Marco? Oh man, you stole my, you stole my strategy on the, uh, I mean, the, it's not a bad strategy. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> not. It's definitely not a bad way to go. Uh, yeah. Like, I was torn between that or focusing strictly on first time in the line figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either that, or, I mean, either that or definitely since I have kind of like a LJN collection, definitely, uh, Definitely do that. That would probably be my mm-hmm. my thing. Just start with the first series and go all the way up, and that definitely go with uh the 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 man Zorro. He could definitely help out with that. Uh, the LJN Whisperer. That, that the LJN, LJN Whisperer could definitely help with that. So yeah. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Darius. And yeah, if you if you guys don't know, um, like I said, uh, hit up Darius if you're looking for a way to uh, institute your your fig budget because yeah. he, he's the man. He's um, like a let, financial advisor. He's a financial advisor for your figure collection. One hundred percent. So this last question comes in from Randy Smith. He says, "Will there ever be a Chick Fil A meet up or meet and greet?" And uh, he's like, "Maybe team up with Fully Posable." I would love that. Oh, I yeah. cannot. I cannot I wait actually, until the day that we get to get to some sort of uh, event, whether it is like you know a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania weekend or something, and we will one thousand percent 
schedule something where we can all sit down and crack open a cold one together and cheers and, you know, hug one another and do do all the things. So I I was actually thinking about this today, which is kind of weird because I was thinking of like, if we did something like that, you'd have, we'd have to do a, uh, we'd have to have a setup obviously, but we'd have to do a live Royal Rumble um, simulation. That would be so That would be so fun. Like get a Everybody watching it together. Yeah, we all watch it together, and like you get thirty entrants, you get thirty uh, fully fan members uh, to pick to pick Dude, a wrestler. We, we have to make that happen. That would be, be awesome. so much fun to do to do a two K Rumble live and in person with all That'd of our awesome. fully fam. That would be incredible. Do live commentary, which would be sick too. Yeah, I was actually thinking of that today. I was like, we definitely have to do a meetup and have that. Uh, yeah, that sort of. And anytime you know, anytime we're going to be at a big major wrestling event, and any of the the fully posable fam is going to be there, we're definitely going to meet up oh, with yeah. those guys because they're they're super fun. We didn't get to meet Scott the the time that we met. Um, you know, Jeff and Celeste. So we're, we're, we're still waiting to meet Scott and see him go full squat mode. If you guys listen to a uh, fully posable, <laughs> you you're familiar with squat. So he promised us that whenever we, uh, we finally get to meet up that we'll get to meet squat. Nice. All right. So that's a wrap for episode 121. Sheena remind everyone where they can find you guys on social media. Find me on Instagram at Chick Foley. Marco interact with him over there on the Twitter machine at Chick Foley show, and then become a member of our Foley fam. Come be part of our 2k rumbles. Listen to our bonus content. Just interact with us during the pay-per-views. You can do all of that by going to Chick Foley And last but not least, uh, always use code Chick Foley at ringside.com. Save yourself 10%. Make sure you subscribe to our friends in the Pod Foundation, Turnbuckle Tavern, Pyramid Wrestling, and Extra Cooler Show. And Sheena, because you are the reigning, Mm. defending, undisputed Chick Foley Show prediction champion, (sighs) you get the last word on this week's show. El Idolo. (laughs) Episode 121 (laughs) is in the books. Reminder, guys, chill till the next episode.